Welcome to another edition of Mass Mats and Ma'am. I'm your host, Justin Harvey. You can find me on Twitter at JustinHarvey75. You can find the entire show on Twitter at MMMShow75. And uh, happy birthday to me or to us. It's it's our 50th uh, something episode here, I think. Yeah. Byron, what's going on? Well, happy Hi, birthday. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you. We're uh, 50 episodes old. Uh, don't look a day over 25. Uh, you can find me at Byron Fever on Twitter, Snapchat, Venmo, all of those things. Who's the other guy? Casey. What's going on, Casey? Hey, what's up, Casey at Lucha Gringo. I was not here all 50 <laughs> episodes, but I, probably like a solid 40, right? Well, Sounds see, bad. the way I look at it, like like the heels, the heels are at like 102 episodes or something crazy now. But I was doing the math, and I think that we've done more hours of programming <laughs> somehow than they have already at 50 at 50 episodes old. Um, yeah, is, we tend to go about three hours long sometimes. Like last week. Well, it was an important week. Time. It was a big week, and and this week is important too, Casey. So, like, you know, pop some some trucker crack and let's do this thing, man. Hey, I'm Justin, Justin, I live in the home of trucker crack. Thank you very much, Justin. What's, up, what's so important about what's so important about this week? Well, I mean, it's only important because it's the 50th episode, but we also are being joined for the 50th birthday party by the man, the the senior official, not senior official and not senior like he's old, but like he's the head, he's the head ref in charge, the HRIC, is that what you say, call it? <laughs> he's the man, future future Netflix star for Glow, right? All right? Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> For Glow. Hey, Marty. Notice I said for Glow, people. Future Netflix star for Glow. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, Marty Elias, what's going on, brother? Hey, guys. How you doing, man? It's awesome to be here finally, you know? So <laughs> let's do this. Let's rock and roll, man. Yeah, yeah. like we, we, were, we were hoping to get Marty on sooner, but you were actually taping Glow back then, right? Yes, I was. So you got you to gotta explain Glow a little bit to people. We might as well start there since we've already mentioned it. Um, because it's not the gorgeous ladies of wrestling that... I remember very well from my my preteen years because it was awesome. But Heavy um, sisters, bro, fuck yeah! But this is actually a comedy kind of based on that, right? Done by Jinji uh, Kohan, the, uh, the 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 woman who does Orange Is the New Black and Weeds, right? Correct, correct. Uh, that that is going to be airing. I, I've heard rumors, and of course, I'll say rumors. Uh, it's supposed to be June twenty seventeen, July summerish. Uh, but what it is, it, it's glow, but it's it, it's the the story. It's loosely based on on how the gals got their uh, tryouts uh, on with glow in 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 how glow came to be with uh, you know the, the promoter at the time who was running it and, and how the girls auditioned, how they trained, and 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 all the other stuff. And what it does too, it, it tells the the story of the girls, the, their personal lives and the struggles that they had because you got to figure a lot of these girls were models and actresses who didn't know dick about wrestling and, and were just told that hey you know there, there's a, an opportunity for a show and they all went and auditioned they tried out and stuff and then when they started training uh they <laughs> they were in for a whole different uh you know um surprise so to speak but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's so cool. You know, like I was fortunate enough to, to see the, uh, the pilot 
uh, of the first episode. And man, you talk about amazing, man. I mean, this show is really going to catch fire and it's really going to be a hit. I honestly believe that not because myself and Chavo and everybody else involved worked our asses off, but it, it's just, it's so it's written so very, very well. Kind of like Lucha Underground. But now this is kind of, this is kind of reminiscent of actual glow too, right? You have actors portraying wrestlers that, that people had to actually teach how to wrestle too, right? Or do you guys have stunt double? Like how's, how's the actual wrestling work on this show? Yeah, there were stunt doubles and such, but the girls were actually trained from ground zero. And uh, the training came from, of course, the great Chavo Guerrero Jr. Uh, he was the consultant and he was a wrestling trainer and such and everything. And Chavo was the one who actually got me involved with the project and brought me in as the wrestling ring technician where uh, I, I was in charge of all the glow rings, the setup, the safety, I mean, all that other good stuff. And I actually helped Chavo with a little bit of the training and, uh, you know, getting the girls up to snuff, so to speak. And it was literally from ground zero because I remember the, the girls the very first day that they came in and they heard the ring and the ropes and all this. And a lot, a lot of them were just like looking at themselves going like, what did I get into? <laughs> it was so cool. That's yeah, a, that dude. It's that awesome Jesus too moment. because on the original glow, wasn't it? Mondo <laughs> training the girls uh, yeah. originally? Yes, it was. And, you know, it's funny how everything came full circle to to have one Guerrero start the original stuff and then the other Guerrero, you know, for the TV show, for the story about it. So it, it was very, very cool to, you know, to uh, have everything come full circle like that. Well, I certainly can't wait. And um, and we'll wait for an official date from Netflix. And then we'll all be waiting for that date when it <laughs> says that it's going to air on Netflix. Glow. Because we are not dicks. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you know, the thing is, too, you know, there, there's rumors out there about dates and stuff. That's why I said rumors, you know, summer or whatever. But, you know, whenever Netflix you know, brings us out, you know, Glow is going to be there. And believe me, guys, I mean, it's 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 going to be a hit, man. And I, I the, the magic that you felt there and us filming and everybody just being a, a big team and just the the support and just what people really were, were doing there i mean it's amazing and like i said man i really compared it to the chemistry and everything that we had on the lucha underground sets when we we're taping man it's just off the hook and everybody is so excited for it and it's going to be you know it's going to knock your socks off well that's what you want when you're working like a 12-hour shoot day you want to be in there with some people that you <clears> like and you know just get down in the trenches and and get it made and have some fun doing it because you know it's a once once in a lifetime opportunities to make good products like that yeah, yeah. And, you know, I mean, the actresses were great. I mean, Alison Brie, who is awesome. You know, she's one of the lead actors, as is Betty Gilpin and Mark Marin. It was great to work with Mark Marin, man. He's such a trip. But, you know, man. just to see these guys go from zero to hero, so to speak, was was so cool. And to have them really get the uh, the characters down and then the costumes and, and stuff. Dude, you guys are going to be so amazed with the look of how this is. It's so cool. I'm not going to give away anything, but it was a, an amazing experience. And I hope they say, we're going to do season two through 10 and let's do this again because I'm there too. Yeah, I mean, that's the hope. And I, I got to imagine with the success of Orange is the New Black and other stuff that Genji's done that it's going to take off and, and really resonate with people so and i think i think the cool thing about it is i think you're going to hit a cross market with that show too where you're going to hit some wrestling fans and you're going to hit some nostalgia guys like me that remember the original show plus i think you're going to hit a lot of her female audience that watches orange is the new black and watched weeds when it was on um 
which sounds like a big recipe for success to me. And documentary audience, because Netflix had that awesome glow doc. Uh, that the logo oh, that's a great did. doc. <clears throat> Yeah. I, I cried during that doc, though, man. That doc is sad at the end. Yeah, and you know, you know what's cool though, cauliflower this this year is actually honoring Glow, which is cool. Wow. Yeah. Oh, nice. It's all. It's, see, it's all coming together. It's the synergy. It's the synergy. It is. It is, man. I can't wait for it, man. Um. Okay, so I got a question for you, Marty. This is it. Cauliflower, actually, that's kind of what we're looking for. Sorry, I was interrupting you, Casey. Say it Sorry. again. I was messing oh, you up. Uh, that we're hoping that Kevin Cross wins some new talent awards from the Cauliflower Alley. I think he's the kind of guy they would enjoy. He's a cool dude, man. Yeah. Yeah, that dude is a freaking beast, man. I don't know if you've caught any of his recent promos, but, oh. man, if you don't want that dude to cut, like, some serious nasty promo on you, do not hand Kevin Cross a microphone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's great, man. He He actually sends me these promos and he asked me to critique them for him. So awesome. Awesome. Yeah, man. So he's a good dude, Uh, but you know, it's funny. I tell him, I go, dude, I'm just a referee. (laughs) What do I know? Yeah. Yeah, You've, you've been around a while though. I think, you know, a few things, but here, here's the, here's the real question for you. Okay. Fozzie greatest rock band ever or second best rock band to kiss. Uh, They're probably third uh, behind Motley Crue. Oh, the crew. Kiss, 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 <laughs> Motley, and Fozzie. So there you go. There you go, Chris. So <laughs> get in the rub. You, you yes, are, are you trying to get us on the Jericho Network, bro. Is that what's happening right now? <laughs> no, but you, you, you do have a little bit of a connection with, with Chris and Fozzie, right? Absolutely, man. I, I, I went uh, and, and did merchandise for those guys and helped them out and kind of did road manager stuff for them when they were in L.A. And, you know, so it, it's cool. As a matter of fact, Jericho's even trying to put together that uh, that cruise, that rock cruise for next November. So, you know, there's there's a lot of cool Fozzie stuff coming. Matter of fact, he texted me the other day, told me he was laying down vocal tracks for the new Foz record. So I'm, I can't wait to hear it. That's awesome. <laughs> See? You know, hey, they made a badass ABBA cover. That that's hats off right there, man. Their SOS cover is great. I see. I don't know if people know about your love of music, Marty. So I mean, I'm just, a lot of the the hardcore believers that come to the temple obviously know. But you know, why why are you so passionate about your rock and roll? Because rock and roll got me through a lot of stuff when I was younger, man. I mean, a lot of stuff. You know, uh, being a young adolescent kid on welfare and food stamps, you know, my dad in prison, mom and seven kids by herself and stuff, you know, I mean, that, that was pretty much what, what held me together, man, and guided me and told me, you know, hey, man, you can do this, you know, just stay positive and, and you know, just, just listening to that and just getting all that negativity out through the music and the aggression and everything else with the lyrics, you know, I, I was able to, to stay away from jail and trouble and all that. And I focused on my dreams and, you know, I shot for the, for the moon and I landed on the moon and, uh, you know, that's why, you know, music to me is, you know, it, it's a passion just so, as much as I love wrestling. I love music. And like you said, a lot of people don't know that about me, but I mean, it, it, it's deep for me. Matter of fact, my daughter, her name is Shandy uh, for the, uh, the song, the kiss song Shandy off of the unmasked album from 1980. Her middle name is Monique. Uh, and that's Ace Freely's daughter. So her name is Shandy Monique. So she's a full-blown kiss baby. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So well, you, you're and you're talking about these big dreams as a kid. I mean, was wrestling 
always a part of that? Like, did you want to be a wrestler when you were a kid or did, I mean, how, how does one get to being, you know, the senior official being the man, the third man, uh, in the ring? Like, how do you do that from, from growing up poor and dreaming of kiss concerts to being like this huge ref? I wanted to be in Kiss. I, I wanted to be in Kiss. And then when Motley came out in 81, I was actually 15 years old when I hitchhiked to see Motley Crue for the first time in 1981. Yeah, but, but I, I heard about this band. I was like, oh my God, I seen the album cover and that just resonated with me and went, oh my God, look at these guys. These guys are cool. So I went, I, I gotta be a part of this. So I grew my hair out, dyed it blue black. I pierced my ears. Of course, I, I was trying to look cool, but uh, uh, what I'll do is I'll text you a photo, Justin. You can see, man, I, I, I looked like Juan Epstein and Jimi Hendrix's love child at the time. Oh, yeah. I have some pretty bad ones myself, man. I, I had one up on Twitter the other day where I, yeah. I, I've got like the kid and play flat top thing going on. And I thought that I was straight out of a Kwame video. It was it was horrifying. Yeah. yeah so, was good luck, Justin, bring it back, bro. It, it was sweet. Yeah. So, you know, like getting back to your question, I was in love with Kiss and I loved the whole theatrics and I loved the, the whole spectacle of being entertained and, 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 you know, being that young and being poor and just like, you know, dreaming one day. Oh, my God. You know, and, and I remember I'll never forget it. I remember hearing Kiss selling out Madison Square Garden in New York. And I remember going like, wow, New York, New York was a whole different world for me. man. I that was a different planet. And I remember telling my mom vividly when I was 10 years old, one day I'm going to be at Madison Square Garden. And she went, oh, that's nice. Didn't believe me for one bit. Of course. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, I was like, you know, okay, you 10 year old little Mexican poor kid on food stamps and welfare. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, the, the day that I did work Madison Square Garden, the first time I worked it with hot rod. So, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I called my mom from a payphone that's backstage at the garden and I called her and I said, mom, guess what? I'm here. Where are you? And I said, I'm in New York at Madison Square Garden. Where's that? <laughs> so <laughs> she didn't know. But, it's the Mecca. It's the heart, heart yeah. of all entertainment. Yeah. So, but w what made it even more special is, you know, working it with Hot Rod and I even told Hot Rod, I go, you know what? WrestleMania one, you, I mean, just the whole garden, Piper, Snuka, whatever. I said, dude, I said, this is an honor. He goes, let's go out and kick it, kid. So that's what we did. But so, wow. go ahead. What were you going to say, Marty? No, but I really just was at a point where you know i wanted to be a musician and i wanted to do something with entertainment i wanted to 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 sign my name and sign autographs for people and take pictures and stuff and th that was something i that i did since i was a kid i would literally write my autograph all the time on on stuff my mom used to get upset and she's like stop writing on that so i was like all right but my goal was to do something and i knew that i was always going to do something i just didn't know what so my little brothers were, were younger. Once my dad got out of prison, mom and dad worked weekends or whatever, or they would go out and stuff. So my little brothers loved wrestling. This was early eighties. And the only thing that would keep them quiet or actually get them focused was wrestling. So we would watch all the old N NWA stuff. We would watch the WWF and just all this stuff. And that's what kept them intrigued. So after a while, I, I just sat there and just started getting mesmerized by it too, and just going like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then when I was old enough to, to drive and I bought my first car, which was a 1976 hatchback Pinto two-door, 
I sort of taken those guys to uh, the sports arena and to other places so we could go see it. And to me, that was like, you know, rock star. That was, you know, the whole spectacle and just everything larger than life. So I said, man, I got to do this, but I didn't know how I was going to do it. So I uh, didn't do it. And then, of course, I was married at the time. I had a little baby. Uh, didn't I was working a normal job trying to make ends meet and something just said, Hey, you know, you, you need to go do this. So I started training because I wanted to be a wrestler and I trained with Jesse Hernandez at the school of hard knocks in San Bernardino. Jesse, there's a plug for you, bro. So yo me. So I, uh, I started training with Jesse and I remember going into Jesse going, Hey man, I want to wrestle. Oh brother. The, the, it costs $15 a day, brother. It needs to be cash. So $15 every time, you know, cash. And I, I, I started, this was late 94 with Jesse, 95-ish. And I, uh, you know, started training. And, and that was the thing, you know, that I, that, that, that I wanted to do. I, I got in there and I really, really wanted to learn how to take the bumps, take the falls, do everything else. And, and that's what I did. And I worked hard to do it. But it got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm not working any shows. Jesse's not putting me on any shows. I'm setting up chairs i'm setting up rings and you know i, I want to be on a show so I, I wanted to be a manager and i i i'm i'm revealing something that a lot of people don't know about me so i'm the, the big reveal for you guys All right. I, I i started training as a manager and i i called myself mr ruby for my my, my real last name is rubicaba my my born legal name is rubicaba so i, I was mr ruby and I was all specked out and everything else. And I knew Paul Roma from, from just years of going to shows and, and he befriended me and I befriended him. So oddly enough, I'm actually godfather to Paul Roma's uh, daughter. And I, uh, you know, wanted to do something. So I, Paul Roma at the time was trying to get a tag team together with a guy named Alex Pitu. They were supposed to be cousins, the pretty primos. And, uh, they, they called me in and said, hey, you know, we, we need a manager. So we, we got some dark matches. I think it was late 96, early 97 uh, out in uh, New York and uh, Connecticut. And I went out and did some WWF dark matches as Mr. Ruby with the Pretty Primos. And, of course, we never got picked up or nothing like that. But the funny story is, it wasn't funny at the time, is I quit my job because I thought that I was making it with WWF. Oh, quit my job, flew out there, did the dark matches and everything else, then came back and I didn't hear anything from anybody for about six months. And of course I had a baby and a, and a wife who were, you know, you know, starving. <laughs> Not and, happy, I'm sure. You no, know, yeah, so finally, you know, I, I got a call and said, hey, uh, I got a call from Cornette, you know, they're not gonna do anything with us. So I went, okay, so that was probably one of the hardest lessons that I ever learned wrestling wise, because I was so green and didn't know anything so of course I started training, you know, because I loved it. And of course I, I, thankfully I found a job. So I started training and then I uh, would hear guys complain about referees. So one night I pulled Jesse aside and said, Hey, I'd, I'd like to referee. Oh brother, I already got enough referees. You know, I, you know, like I don't need another brother. No, 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 really. I can do this. So what I did is I started asking the guys to stay after with me, to, to, to let me practice. And I would watch Tommy Young, I'd watch Timmy White or Joey Morella at the time. I would just watch tapes and I would practice and I would just kind of mimic what I seen because nobody really trained me to be a referee. I just picked it up on my own. Jesse would throw pointers and I'd rather do this and not positioning, but that was pretty much it. So 
lo and behold, I, I wanted a referee and there was a show that they were doing and it was in Parker, Arizona. And I drove out there with Rick Knox actually. And I showed up and uh, Bill Anderson, who was still with Jesse at the time with his big Hawaiian shirt, he goes, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I'm here to referee. And he goes, we don't need any damn referees. And I said, well, I'm here anyway. So then Jesse came out. He goes, brother, 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 what are you doing here? Well, you know, uh, brother, we don't have any room, brother. And I said, well, I said, I'm here, man. So he left. I was sitting in the lobby with my bag in my referee shirt and, you know, my, my whatever. And uh, he comes back about 15 minutes later and he goes, brother, we can give you two matches. And I went, okay, brother, but we're not going to pay you, brother. We're not going to pay you, brother. It's, it's a look, brother. Of course, every wrestling promoter, they don't want to pay anybody. Even to this day, they don't want to pay referees. So uh, and, and stop, stop me any time to jump in. or with No, it's, it's, this is exactly what I wanted to know. Like, like how, because nobody knows this. Like everyone has heard stories of how you get to be a wrestler and the stuff that they went through and they trained and did this and the other thing. Nobody knows how somebody gets to be a ref. I don't, I don't know that I've ever heard the story of anyone and how they got to be a ref. No, no. And, you know, oddly enough, a lot of the WWE guys who got there, like Kyoto, was, was uh, good friends with um, Gorilla Monsoon. So, you know, that's how he got his. But Kyoto earned his stripes. You know, Charles Robinson was a photographer once. So there's just different avenues of, that people took. This is my avenue, and this is how I did it. But I'm sure it's a lot different now, and I'll get into that because the way I got into WWE and all the other stuff was, I'm sure guys would would, would be blackballed the way I did it, but I did it. Well, yeah, well so how did you get into WWE? I mean, because that's the show. Like, you, you, you go from, yeah. you know, doing these indie promotions and finally getting put on as a ref to WWE and, and you know, WrestleMania 25 and, and some of the biggest events of all time. Like, how, how did you get in there? Well, actually, uh, I'll finish the, the Jesse story sure. and, and I'll jump into that. I uh, I got two matches and the second match that I had, they wanted me to take a bump. Thank, thankfully, I, I knew how to bump and stuff and everything, but I, I was still kind of green and I really hadn't. This was my first show. So I, I was really scared because these guys wanted me to take a bump. And I remember the, the, the wrestler, the guy in the match, I won't mention his name because, you know, I don't want to embarrass him. But he uh, was hot because I said, well, I said, I can take a bump. But, you know, he's like, well, how long have you been training? So I told him and everything. And he went to Jesse in front of me. And he goes, man, you give us this green ass guy. Man, he doesn't know anything, man. And this and that. So I said, hey, look, I said, I'm going to do my best. I said, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. And I was sincere about it, just like I am today. I said, you know, just give me the opportunity to do that. And that's the thing. You ever give Marty Elias an opportunity? Guess what, pal? Marty's taking it and running with it. So that's all I wanted. And so finally, you know, the guy was upset. I took the bump and everything else. To me, the bump was great. He came back and complained about it, but that's okay. So years forward real quick, I'm WWE and this and that and everything else, TV. The guy comes out for a tryout to WWE. So he comes <laughs> up. already there and a made man, basically. I, huh? I'm already there and I'm a made man and everything else. But I was cordial to him. He apologized for what he said and this and that and everything. I said, look, no harm, no foul. I get it. Good luck. And, you know, God bless you. That was it. So, you know, I, I didn't go bury the guy. I didn't go, you know, say, hey, this guy and everything. I was just like, God bless you. You know, you know, I, I made my way. Find your way, brother. So did yeah. they call him up, Marty? You don't have to tell us who it is, but did they call him up? He's probably still sitting at home waiting for the call. <laughs> was it John Cena? No, no, no. no. I, I love John Cena, by the way, guys. Me, me and John go back, man. 
but but get, getting back to getting into WWE, what I did is, is is I started working a lot, and I was working for everybody and anybody that I could. So what I did is I started videotape. I get in all the videotaped VHS, and what I did is I started making my own photos and stuff. And I even got my own business cards made back then. I was serious about this, so I started sending it to everybody I could. And I wanted to branch out, so then I branched out to UPW with Rick Bassman. And at the time, you know, that's when they started running real hot with the developmental and and having everybody come in and work the shows. So I was like, man, I got to get on this train, man. So I went and and I had my resume. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the guy booking at the time was uh, Brett Wagner, who's known as the Big Swag. And I don't know if you guys know who that is, but but he's a uh, an actor. Um, so, so he was booking and he was more a wrestling fan than anything else. And I remember sneaking backstage to the, uh, at the galaxy where UPW used to run all their hot shows. And I snuck backstage and, and I seen Rick Bassman, but he didn't have enough time you know, for me. So he told me to talk to, to, to big swag. So I went up to him and everything and not, you know, registering it's the big swag. I went up and say, Hey, big swank, how are you doing? I'm Marty. And he kind of gave me this look like he was going to kill me. And I said, here's my resume. So he kind of got it, he looked at it, he folded it up, and he put it in his pocket. And I said, hey, man, I said, I'm a referee. I said, I, I want to come in and check it out and see if I can get an opportunity. He goes, well, there's nothing here on these shows, but show up Saturday at our light shows, and, you know, I'll, I'll take a look at you. All right. So that Saturday I went, I showed up, and he gave me two matches. I don't know what it is people give me two matches. So I, I got two matches, and one of the matches that I had – was John Cena was working out his match with the real Damian Steele with Satis as his manager for a WWF tryout that John was going to have in the next two weeks. So I got to work with the early, early John Cena uh, doing the prototype gimmick and everything else against Damian Steele. So that was cool. So my first UPW tryout, so to speak, was with Cena. And uh, not bad, not bad. No, and Lord knows, you know, that we got to do some other stuff on pay-per-view and WWE got to work together too and everything. So, you know, it was great. John and I would have conversations all the time talking about stuff like that, but it was cool. So then I started uh, doing more and more stuff. And then Brett, uh, the big schwank, actually started uh, phasing himself out because he wanted to focus on acting. So he started uh, phasing himself out. So then Bassman asked me if I wouldn't mind taking the reins in booking the, the, the UPW light shows. So I said, sure, man. So I started booking those shows and we started having some real good success. We were running at the bo LA boxing in Huntington beach. And, you know, we were doing real, real well. I mean, he would charge like five bucks, 10 bucks, and we, we were doing real good. And then he moved to the LA uh, raw center in El Segundo. But prior to that, uh, Bassman liked what I was doing. And at the time he had a couple other gentlemen who were his writers and stuff for the galaxy shows. And, uh, you know, I started pitching ideas. I said, look, I said, I'm pitching these ideas and I got this stuff that I'm doing at the light shows. I said, you know, and here's some ideas I have for this. So he started, you know, okay. He started listening to me. And then one of the guys, you know, wanted to go to Hollywood and become a writer. I don't know what it is. Guys wanted to go to Hollywood and be successful. <laughs> uh, so the guy says, Hey, you know, you want to try this? And I said, sure. So one of the guys who was writing for him was a, was a guy by the name of Kevin Quinn out of Chicago. He's the guy who actually trained uh, Christopher Daniels. Uh, oh. So yeah, yeah. So Kevin was awesome, man. Kevin was awesome, man. He was real good. It's unfortunate he never got his shot, but he was doing it. And he was going back to Chicago. So Bassman needed somebody to to step in. So they called me and asked me, you know, some ideas, and they asked me what, what I thought about 
booking and this and that. So I started telling them and everything. Then they asked me to send some examples in. So I emailed them. And then lo and behold, uh, about a week later, they called me up and told me that I was the new booker and writer for UPW. So uh, I I booked UPW and uh, wrote the shows the whole time that uh, they were hot with WWE, you know, when Triple H came in and did the the thing and Simone Joe wrestled Tommy Dreamer, uh, Legion of Doom wrestled uh, Hardcore Inc. with a hardcore kid. So I was there for all that and wrote all that stuff and booked John Cena and, you know, a, a bunch of other folks at that time and everything. So, you know, Simone Joe too. So it, it, it's cool how all this stuff comes full circle. And, you know, like nobody really knows, you know, that I was the booker at UPW th- during that whole time. So. You know? Well, it's not always glamorous, even though people think it is. No, 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 man. I paid my dues, man. And I was I was refereeing at that time and doing the light shows. And then I was booking, you know, the, the whole stuff for Rick Bassman. But at the time, you know, Bassman was was uh, in, in contact with WWE. And I remember when Jim Ross and all these guys would come through and everything. And I would talk to them constantly trying to pick their brain about what I needed to do and stuff. And, of course, you know, nobody really wants to look at a referee. But getting to your question earlier about how I made it to WWE, I, I just started becoming a real major pain in the ass. Uh, and what I mean by that is a squeaky wheel always gets heard first. So what I did is I started sending emails. I mean, literally I would send emails every day to just various people in the office and I would call people and I would leave them voicemails daily. And, and I started sending tapes once a week to, to WCW, to ECW, to WWF. I mean, I just literally just started being my own promotion machine and would send this stuff out all the time. And mind you, this is right when email and everything was really, the, you know, really starting to you know go. That's why I still have an AOL account because I'm, I'm old school, man. So uh, I just started doing that. And, you know, I, I really became a pain in the ass to people. And then finally, you know, when, when things started changing at WWE and everything, I, uh, I I got a hold of Tommy Dreamer, who at that point was taking over some stuff and everything. And and then uh, Nova was there. Mike Bucci was there. And, you know, this is when Jim Ross was still there. But then Laronitis was actually starting to take over. So uh, it got to the point where I was calling John Laronitis 10 times a week and I was emailing him. I would email him three times a day. So it got to the point where, where John Laronitis called me one time and he says, Marty, God damn it. We know who you are. Stop it. <laughs> I'm telling so, there's one way to make you stop. Give you a job. Yeah. 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 So, so, so I, uh, you know, did that, but you know, okay. So what I did is instead of sending 10 emails, I sent five, but I, I just started doing that. And then, uh, you know, I, I, would just harp everybody. But in between all that, I was working with just different people and different stuff. You know, like I I did remember WWA wrestling uh, alliance that Jeff Jarrett ran before TNA. Yeah. Uh, Well, I I actually worked for them. Uh, I worked for Jeff Jarrett at the Aladdin. They had a show there and I actually got to work the main event. It was Jeff Jarrett versus uh, um, uh, Brian Christopher. And of course, I, I took a bump there, a big bump, big super kick to the jaw. Uh, Eddie Guerrero was actually on that show. Road Dog was on that show. Macho Man was supposed to be there, but he no showed. That's when Bret Hart came in and cut that huge promo. And, uh, you know, so I, I was doing a lot of this stuff in between. And in between that, I actually went to Japan and I worked for Zero One, Hashimoto. And, um, nice. you know, you know, the way I got to go to uh, Japan was uh, I remember going. 
And the guy who was booking at the time was a uh, Nakamura. And, and he was looking for three Gaijin wrestlers to go. And I uh, went because I said, look, I said, I, I want to go just to help out. Cause that's always my thing. I, I always just want to help out and just, you know, if I'm needed or if I can be of any help, I want to do that because I just want to see everybody succeed. I want to see everybody win, you know, because if anybody's doing anything in wrestling, they're getting paid for it, then we're winning. So I uh, said, look, you know, this is what I want to do. So Bassman let me go to the tryouts and stuff. And uh, I went and we started around 430 in the afternoon and finished around 930. So it was like five hours nonstop. I was in the ring. I didn't take a break. To, to get water, to get nothing. They would ask certain guys to go in and this and that. Nakamura wanted to see this guy, that guy. So all these guys are working five hours straight, man. And I'm, I'm like beat at the end of the night. And I'm standing there and I'm finally taking some water and kind of cooling down and going, I'm going to die. So, so, so Nakamura calls me over. He goes, Martison, come. I'm like, okay. So I walk over and he goes, I like you work. And I go, what? He goes, what he told me, he goes, I like the fact that you worked the whole time. You didn't get any water. You worked hard every single match that was there. You worked for five hours straight without a break. He goes, I'm bringing you to Japan. And I went, oh, my God, is this really happening? So he had picked his two guys that he wanted for Japan. So the third guy ended up being yours truly, the referee instead of taking another gaijing wrestler guy. So it was two guys. Bassman wasn't too happy about it, but Nakamura, Nakamura wasn't going to change his mind. And that's how I got to go to Japan. And it was it was great, man. I got to go over there, worked with the great Hashimoto, Fujiwara, Dick Togo, uh, you know, Tanaka, and especially uh, Otani, man. Otani is the man, dude. He is the man. And you know what's great, man, being over there with Otani? And this is something that I'm getting goosebumps to you know, it, it's yeah. working with Otani, dude, yeah. he he took a liking to me for some reason. And he requested that I be his referee for his matches in Japan when I was there, dude. So, I mean, wow. yeah, that's huge. I mean, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, man. And, and it was it was so cool. But here's an even cooler story is that when I first got to WWE, my first, I want to say two or three months there, I was in the locker room and I was at a SmackDown taping. And I was uh, getting dressed and Matt Hardy kind of knew me because he had worked with UPW and stuff. So he was kind of asking me questions about who trained me and this and that. How did I get in and stuff and wh where have I worked? And Benoit, Chris Benoit was actually sitting to the left of me getting dressed. So I'm getting dressed and Matt's asking me this. So I, I told Matt, I said, yeah, I said, I worked in Japan. And Benoit kind of, his ears went up, kind of went like Japan. I go, yeah. He's like, who'd you work for? I said, uh, zero one. Yeah. Who'd you work with? And I started naming people off like I did just now. And then I said, and Otani. And he goes, you work with Otani? I go, yeah. He goes, I love that guy. Oh yeah, me too, man. He's, he's a great dude. So we started <laughs> talking Otani and stuff and everything. And I kid you not, man. It's like I had his respect from there on, you know, that all the other referees, I mean, you know, they used to be, brutal to guys, whatever. But I, I, I literally, and, and I know this for a fact that I gained Chris Benoit's respect because of the fact that I've been over to Japan and worked with Otani and Hashimoto and all these guys. And it was separate of WWE. I went and I did it on my own. And that's the thing that I pride myself on is that I went to Japan on my own, minus WWE, before WWE. Uh, I've been to Mexico and all this other, 
on my own minus WWE. I did go to, to Japan and Mexico and all that with WWE. But prior to that, I went on my own. And that's the thing that I pride myself on being a referee that I went and did that without WWE. So well, you're still you're self-made at that point. I mean, we were kind of chatting about some of this stuff earlier. Like you, you have to be self-made or you're a mark. I mean, if you don't if you don't go out there and, and work for it and do your own thing and put your foot down on some stuff and, and insert yourself mm-hmm. into the situation and say, look, I'm here. I'm for real about this. I'm doing the work on my own. You know, if I get a handout, sure, I'm going to take it. But at the same time, I'm going to keep working even if you don't give it to me. That that always has resonated with people in the business and and in other businesses, too. You know, in my line of work, it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. Like if you go out there and you're you're your own man and you do your thing, people are going to respect it. And and that's how you're going to not only get somewhere, but once you've gotten there, people are going to know that you're the real deal. You're the genuine article. It's not BS that you're there for a reason. And especially from other guys who had to work hard to get there, that's how you're going to get respect. Yeah. Amen. And, and you know, the thing with me, I, 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 I'm humbled and I'm so grateful for the opportunities that I've had and everything. But along the lines, man, I've really worked hard. And what I mean by that is, you know, wrestling can be a son of a bitch and it it's damaged a lot of relationships that I've had, whether it be with family or my wife or my daughter or just everything in general. But you know what? That's how passionate I was about wrestling. And it still am to a certain extent. But now as I get older, you know, family's number one for me. My wife, I adore her to death. And I thank her every day for sticking with me because, you know, Lord knows she could have bailed out a long time ago. But working as hard as I did and achieving the success that I've, I've had thus far, you know, I you know, I'm grateful for it. When I was at WWE, I think my head got a little too big and I, I had an ego because I had worked so hard and it was about proving people wrong and showing people that I could do it, which I did. And I, I honestly think, and I'll tell you guys, I, I think my run at WWE was too much too soon and I didn't deserve it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I should have should have approached it differently, but who's to say, you know, that I won't be back there someday. But right now I'm focused on Lucha Underground and loving Lucha Underground. And that's my loyalty and what I'm doing. But, you You know, know, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that, Marty, because, I, you know, and and I was listening to an interview that Shawn Michaels did the other day. And he was talking about how he was cocky past where he should have been, you know, and in his mind, back in those big glory days, he had no doubt in his mind that he was the thing. And he's way more humble as a person now and way more understanding of the gift that he was given. But at the same time, I almost feel like when you have that run, when you have that moment in WWE, you almost want to be blind. You almost want to be that cocksure of yourself just to get in there and and brazenly in front of thousands and thousands of people and millions around the world just go in there and do it because you love it and you know you're good at it oh i i was you know and to a certain extent i'm still that way but you know i'm i'm a lot more humbler about it if that makes sense if, if that's a word you know because i yeah. mean when i went in there man i worked hard and it was you know pedal to the metal and you know what even to this day, you know, you know, like I told somebody the other day, when I get in the ring today, and even a little bit with WWE and stuff, especially after WrestleMania with, with Taker and stuff, and this is not trying to compare myself with HBK or Shawn Michaels and this and that, but being around him so much and him elevating me as, as a referee and as a person to, to, to get me to that level in the level that I'm at right now, is it my confidence is that when I go into a match that I'm the Shawn Michaels of referees 
And, and that's just confidence. It's going in there knowing that I'm that good and I've worked so hard to be that good and there's nobody better than me. Because I tell a lot of younger referees today, you need to have that confidence. You need to have that, you know, yeah, me attitude. Because if you don't, if you're not thinking that way, then nobody else is going to think that way for you. So, you know, I, I go in with that kind of gusto and it's not ego. It's not confidence. We're trying to brag and everything. But when I go into a, a match as a referee, I am the Shawn Michaels of referees. No doubt about it. Nobody better. And it, well, it's it, hard it to helps argue that with the anyway. audience because you're the one keeping everyone in line. So we see yeah. that from you. We know to respect the fucking strikes. Yeah. And, you know, th that's that's a thing, you know, that, that for 2017, that's my goal. And I'm always goal oriented and I'm always running the wheels and thinking mm -hmm. ahead is that, you know, February 18th, I'm having my first referee seminar uh, with the Santino brothers. Right on. And, nice. And my, my goal there is to train referees properly. Uh, a lot of the wrestling schools, a lot of promoters don't have referees who are training referees. They have workers training referees. And for me, nothing against workers and nothing against guys who are training. It's just that there's a different perspective from being a worker to being a referee. And it's, mm -hmm. there's a bigger difference if you're a seasoned referee and a experienced referee on TV and who's been there and done that. And not to say I've been there done that because there's still a whole bunch more to come, but I want to make sure that guys are getting the proper training, that they know how to work, they know how to position, and, and they know what it takes to get there. And it's not only counting one, two, three. There's so much more that referees do behind the scenes. And that's the big stigma that I want to take away in 2017. And that's why right. I, I decided to start doing interviews too, because I never did interviews in the past. I wouldn't say anything or talk to anybody <laughs> because I just didn't do it. So I said, I want to take that stigma away. I want people to know that referees are so much more and they're so vital to what the business is and the matches in general that behind the scenes, we're in production meetings, we're ring crew, we're production, we're all of the above, man. So for people to take us for granted, you know, sometimes it's a little bit insulting, but I get it. It's part of the gig. I know that promoters don't want to pay a good referee like myself or Jack Dunn, who's sitting at home, or Jimmy Corderas, you know, who's in Canada and stuff. I know guys don't want to bring in guys of our stature and pay us or fly us in because it's cheaper to get a student or get somebody from the front row, put a striped shirt on and say, hey, kid, count to three. You know, right. that's the stigma. But Marty Elias in 2017 is going to change that. Well, see, yeah, that's so, what I love to hear. What are you saying, Byron? Yeah. Well, uh, to your point, uh, you know, referees don't get the recognition that uh, that everyone else involved in the match and in the show get. Um, and yeah, but I don't know if that's true, especially in Lucha Underground for Marty. Well, I mean, I think Lucha Underground is a different story. But I'm saying, like, you know, we talk about the wrestling industry and the indies coming up and places where people could work, but we don't really talk about no one really looks at the market for referees. When you train to be a referee and you take pride in what you do, when you become really good, who's going to pay for that? Nobody's paying for it. And, and that's what I want to change, man. You know, uh, you, you got everybody going into the wrestle cons and wrestle reunions and all this stuff and everything. And they bring in names, they bring in people and everything, but nobody's bringing in a referee, you know? I mean, sure, you know, they'll bring in Earl and, and stuff of that nature and everything, but, you know, Earl's deserve it, man. He he earned that. But at the same time, you know. Well, he also like, got one of the craziest angles ever with the twins and all that crap. Absolutely. You know? I mean, you know, still you, you get a good angle or. Plastic you, surgery, you, brother. 
you get turned into <laughs> little little Nate and get the rub from Ric Flair, it becomes a whole different story yeah. all of a sudden. But you yeah. seem to be elevating to that level without necessarily being involved in one of these huge angles. Yeah, and you know, I I thank God because it, it's it, it's my work, and that's the thing that I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to work hard. I always wanted to be the best at what I did, and that's me in my personal life too. You know, I, I I want my work to speak for itself. I don't want people to to generally say, "Oh man, Marty, you know, he, he was great in that match, but not remember the match or who was in it." You know, because me as a referee, and, and what I'll, I'll I'll tell other referees up-and-coming guys or whatever, people who aspire to be a referee, is that a good referee is being there but not being there. Well, okay, so speaking of remembering the match, I do have to talk about WrestleMania 25. We're talking the streak is intact. He's 16-0. and 0. Michaels is the best chance ever, <laughs> as, far as, as far as we know, to take down the streak. It's Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, WrestleMania 25. Marty Elias gets the call. Justin, Justin, you sound like you were going into this match rooting for Shawn Michaels, and I got to call you on this. As the biggest Undertaker <laughs> fan on this podcast, you are not rooting for Shawn Michaels because I – Undertaker's my favorite wrestler of all time. I have a little bit of shit there. I love I love Taker, man. I love Taker. He's awesome, dude. Such a good dude, man. Such a but good you dude. But you have to admit, Casey, that was... Exactly. You <laughs> were scared the streak was going to end. The hype was real tangible. You could feel it, man. It was like Shawn Michaels is walking around tombstones that say 16 and 1. He's the dude who's going to put Taker in the ground and do this thing finally. And, and, and here's the crazy thing. I want to get to the actual match because me and you can debate the, the hype behind it all day long, Casey. But here's poor Marty. They're going to do a spot with Taker flying out of the freaking ring. And I thought, oh, my God, Marty Elias is about to die. And instead, this poor cameraman who's out there, Marty gets thrown into the barricade. He does. He, you took a nice bump there. I think Sean was the one who threw you out of the way. <laughs> But literally, then, literally threw me out of the way. No, I mean, I saw it like, and it was just like, oh, damn, the ref is dead. And then it was like, oh, damn, the cameraman is really, really dead. Like that spot was Fucking one of those dominant. moments at a WrestleMania where it was like, I was not expecting any of it. They threw a cameraman in there. I don't know if that had quite been done that way before, but I mean, the camera's taking, you know, a, a ring dive from Tate. What the fuck? That was craziness. Craziness. Okay. You got to tell us from your point of view because you literally had the best seat in the house I for one of the greatest spots of all time. That dive, by the way. I thought. Well, how's a cameraman gonna? How's a cameraman gonna help him out? The cameraman's holding the, the thing. I don't care if it was a plant or what. The guy's holding. It, the, the it, was, it was Domino, but you know. Okay, case fabe. Take it easy. Oh, okay, I will. Sorry. It, it, it's it's so cool to hear you guys debate and go back and stuff and everything mm -hmm. because that match was so amazing. But but here's the thing, man. Yeah. I didn't know going into that match, nor did Sean or Taker, that the match was going to become what it's become. And Sean and Taker being the greats that they are, man, those guys are amazing, man. And look, I'm getting goosebumps again. So going in with, to that match and – it turned out to be the greatest match in WrestleMania history by, you know, whoever's saying that. But nobody went in with the intention to say, hey, you know what, 
Sean and Taker went, we're going to make sure this is the greatest match in, in history. I mean, it wasn't even about that. It was, you know, the light and the dark and, and uh, you know, those guys going in and being the performers that they are and going in there. I just happened to be the lucky slob that was picked to, 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 to be uh, the referee for that. But I will say this, and I apologize to Charles Robinson sincerely all the time. Charles originally had that match. Oh, Oh, I'm so sorry for for little Nate. He, he he originally had that match, and the way that I got the match is that Sean and I became friends, and we talked and everything. And one of my goals in wrestling was to work WrestleMania with Mr. WrestleMania himself. And casually, one time, I had mentioned to him, I said, "You know, the reason I got in is because of you and some other stuff, Flair, or whatever." I said, "But being is who you are and the persona and everything else." I go, "My goal is to eventually work a WrestleMania with you, and I know that those opportunities are going to be smaller and smaller now because at that time he started talking about retirement and stuff. So I knew the window was closing. So I, I threw it out there, you know, not knowing what was going to happen. And he and Sean, he, you know, we were on a flight one time, and I, I and I'd mentioned it to him. And he turns to me and he says, well, let's see if we can work on that. And that was it. And that was it. My battery's running low. Let me let me get my plug in here real quick. Hold on, guys. Oh, no worries, one, no second. Hold on yeah. one second. We have a couple questions in the chat room as well. Ooh. We, after we the, get plugged in. The chat room's heating up. I don't know, Casey. Like, you were – I don't know that I was really cheering for Sean, but I got to say when he first started putting on the white hat and, and like doing the, the, the light versus the dark thing, he was mocking the dead man. I know, but that's what I liked it about it. It was brash. It was, it was absurd too. Like at first when the gimmick started, when the angle started, I was like, yeah, yeah. Sean Michaels, there's no way he's going to beat undertaker, but man, the way they kept hyping it and rolling into it, it was like, no, no. Really, Sean Sean could do this, you know, and and you know, he was getting the push and it was feeling it was feeling pretty tangible, man. That like okay, if anyone's gonna do it, why not have it be Michaels? And I wasn't thinking to myself there'd be a, a Brock Lesnar to come along later and take care of it. Okay, sorry guys. I apologize for that. No worries. Okay, yeah, Casey, so, Casey's feeling over here about the Shawn Michaels versus And Tinker I'm telling thing. Justin, like I tell him every week on this show, that Brock didn't um, break the streak. It's an asterisk now. So Taker got it back. I'm giving it to him officially. That's Look, awesome. there was no wellness violation at that time. Retroactively DQ'd. Oh, you can't do that, man. The streak is not intact anymore. I'm sorry. It wasn't Shawn. It was, it was Brock. It's just how it goes, man. It's just how it goes. I yeah, we have a Shawn. Hey, we have a couple questions. We have a couple questions, Marty, and then I do want to talk some lucha about with you too. But go for it, Brian. (laughs) What's we got questions from our chat room here? Sure. Yeah. uh, So uh, two questions. Uh, The first one is from Andre Nichols, and he wants to know what the um, what the worst bump you've ever taken in your career has been. Uh, The worst bump that I ever took it was on the Independence, and it was actually with Adam Pierce and the human tornado at a AWS show in 2004, 2003, uh, the spot called for a uh, human tornado to dive out of the cage. I was, I was the outside referee and uh, I, I didn't have any spots. All I had to do is open and close the door. So he had a manager who I'll leave nameless because it was his fault. Uh, so the manager was supposed to take the bump. And when it came time for the bump and human tornado to dive out and stuff and everything else, well, manager guy, 
decides to duck. And I'm not ready for the bump. I'm not ready for anything because I'm just there to hold the door. Manager guy ducks down. Tornado comes and hits me and kills me pretty much. And I had a stinger for three minutes where I, I, I had no movement and I was unable. I, I was paralyzed literally for three minutes. I had a stinger. And oh, my God. Yeah. So th that was probably the, the, the worst injury that I've ever had. My wife went ballistic because she never goes to the shows or whatever. She's been there, done that. You know, the only but show she was at that one. She was at that one, unfortunately. Oh, and she was she was losing her mind. And, you know, I you know wanted to be the, the, the worker guy, whatever, and showing how tough I was. I didn't go see a doctor or nothing like that until I couldn't move about uh, four days later. So I went and come to find out that it was a cervical sprain. And my spinal cord was bruised. Jeez. And that's, that's no la laughing matter at all. Mark. No, no. And, and, and to this day, my, my, my motion, as far as moving to my left and everything is very, very limited. So you'll never see me doing this because it's pretty much, you know, it's there. I, I like this, I can do this. Okay. Yeah. But as far as going here, that, that's as far as I can go. And that's a shoot guys. Right. There. So if I ever work a match, oh. then basically if I cheat, I need to be on your left side. Absolutely. <laughs> Noted. Noted. That's when the brass knuckles come in, guys. We got this plan down. Hey, you know, so, so yeah. thanks for the question. And that's the worst injury I've ever had. I I uh, have seen that. I don't remember if I was at the show or not, because I used to go to AWS shows all the time. But I, I've definitely seen that. And I know the manager you're talking about. Okay. Casey, DM me later. We'll go beat him up. You you won't know who he is. Well, I'll just I'll help you. you so what was the other question? Second question, which is from Wrestling Central. I don't know if that's um, his Christian name or not. Uh, <laughs> wants to know what your favorite Lucha Underground match to ref is uh, at this point of airing. No spoilers. Uh, the triad against uh, Pentagon in the gauntlet match. Nice. Amazing, amazing. Th those girls are just incredible. I, I, I was so blessed to finally get the opportunity to work with those girls from stardom, uh, especially EO. Oh my God, man, you talk about off the hook, dude. And just like, just loving that match and just like, oh my God, this is actually happening. I'm working with them and just the chemistry that they had with Pentagon and, you know, everybody was on fire, man. And everybody just brought their game, dude. And, you know, j just to, to work with them was just off the hook. Um, and then uh, I'd probably say my second best match, favorite match, is anything with Johnny Mundo. All right. Solid. Now, me and Casey were at the, the Black Lotus Triad versus Pentagon matches. And, uh, you know, Casey is a very, 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 very big Pentagon mark. Um, we all are. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, like, I'm a, I'm a Pentagon mark, but Casey is like the pentagon mark and i'm the one who always brings the signs that's it ultima luchas a, that's a good yeah, one. me too so i was yeah, i was a bit fact. afraid when that whole thing started like oh man casey's gonna sit here and watch this but dude seeing him and sitting next to him and watching those those women earn his respect as they're whooping on his dude oh like dude, just to, they, to another they, level and jimmy jimmy Kiri hojo Kiri hojo is um my vote for the greatest elbow in the wrestling business of all time with apologies to Shawn Mike oh, yeah. and macho man, her flying elbow is one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. Yeah. And, and you know, it was so cool when they came in, man, it, it, it was, it was awesome, you know, because they literally just came in and just were 
just excited to be there, man. I mean, they, they were really excited to be there. And I would like to say that it was awesome because we, and when I say we, it was me and Krista Joseph and uh, a couple other people who went to go see them at a stardom show. And like the October before, that was in April, we did that. In October, we went to go see them at a stardom show out here, man. And me and Joseph were just like, man, we got to see her. We got to see her. And th they were just phenomenal. And then the next night, uh, I, I, they, they had a day off and we had a El Rey network function thing. And I told Eric Van Wagen, I said, dude, you got to come to the stardom show. You got to see these girls. And he, luckily, Eric agreed, man. And, and me and Evie Dub went to the uh, the stardom show on that Sunday. He got to see her. And there's where we actually found uh, Thunder Rosa, too, who is now uh, Cobra Moon. And, uh, you know, we they started the negotiations and stuff and everything. And we were able to bring them in, man. And it was amazing to see, you know, that we had seen them at these shows. And, you know, we... You know, we got them on the show and they're uh, some characters, a part of the show now. And, you know, it's going to be cool when uh, we, we can uh, reveal some other stuff. I'll just say that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, like, I like how you do I'm really that. And, uh, I'm really hoping that we get to see them again. What I find interesting, I was not at the show. Um, whenever I miss a saying it was awesome and then i just i feel really bad for like two weeks and it was amazing i was in new york i believe either new york or florida across the country i could st i still felt the buzz and electricity electricity uh from the live taping that these three wrestlers who are from japan who are not on american tv somehow they show up everyone not only knows who they are but they are so pumped up it well, was it was such. It was freaking deal. amazing too, because we had all heard they had just worked in Vegas. They were, they, I mean, they were running around everywhere. They roll into Lucha, and we're all like, oh, they might be tired. They might be beat up. You know, they're on the road. They're doing the thing. You know, and this isn't their first show, so they're gonna come in here, and it's gonna be whatever. And no, dude. I mean, and it was crazy. And you know how Lucha Underground rolls. We don't, we don't mess with our phones when we're in there. So when we all come out, you probably had like sixty people blowing you up, like. Byron, you missed the best shit ever. You know, I yeah. you just totally you, yeah, you stepped in it, dude. You should have been there that weekend. That was very I felt bad really bad. I, I almost I almost broke up with my girlfriend and got on a plane. Hey guys, um just I'm gonna kidding. break I'm gonna break a little bit of news and uh this is probably news to you too, Marty, or maybe it's not. I don't know, but uh we'll <laughs> see what we'll see what you guys think about this because uh I have some some very credible information from a very reliable source um that won't be named, but believe me, this this source is very is very very reliable. Do I know him? You you might you might. That's all okay. I'll say. Um, <laughs> that uh, the Netflix deal is in fact being finalized. Okay, and you can quote that the Netflix deal is being finalized, but the timetable that has been reported publicly by certain individuals, one individual, <laughs> is not in fact correct and there are some very good and logical reasons for that uh incorrectness that uh i'm gonna put it out there now just to correct it and look i'm not a reporter i'm not a news source but i am uh journalistic in the fact that before i report something i'm gonna find out the real information guys i'm not just gonna you know i hear stuff constantly i hear stuff all the time some of it you know you'll hear me expound on stuff on this show 
as part of a diatribe or a rant or a hot take or whatever you want to say, and I'll give you my feelings on it. I will editorialize, but that doesn't mean I'm reporting. Okay. For everyone, if you're going to report something as a reporter and be journalistic about something, you got to have sources and you got to, you got to make sure they're reliable. You don't have to quote your sources. You don't have to tell anybody your sources, but you can't say something and represent a product or something that's out there. If you don't know, the, the real facts. So let me give you guys a little bit of the real facts that I'm getting from the real people, from the reliable sources. And no, I'm not going to give you my sources because then every doesn't get the same damn information and they can go screw. Works. They can get it themselves. That's not how, it's not how it works at all. Because people are DMing me all the time like, oh, where'd you go? Like, don't, don't worry about it, man. I'll, if, I'll tell you. And if I know it's real, I'll say it's real. And if I don't know it's real, I'll give you my opinion on it. And I won't say it's real. I'll say this is what I think based on the information that I have. And I'm editorializing. I like to editorialize. I don't want to be a reporter or a journalist. But in this particular instance, the whole interwebs has gone crazy about a certain thing, which is this Netflix deal and this date. Um, and I will say that a lot of the information that, that went out there looks very credible, very accurate. Um, there is a Netflix deal. It's been being worked on for a while. It's going to happen. I mean, I think EVW even tweeted it out like, hey, you might want to get Netflix. Um, you know, so yeah, looks, it looks good. You know, Netflix deal looks good. That makes all of us Lucha Underground fans very happy, especially the ones of us that that know the product and love it. We're happier than everyone else because now we can tell our friends, hey, go watch this and this in episode and check this out. And that's going to get the new fans in there. The other people who don't know and the casual fans, they don't know how great a deal this Netflix thing is going to be. We do because we've seen it and we're like, we want to share it. We want to have an easy way to share it and getting someone to buy it on iTunes as much as they should buy it on iTunes. Isn't necessarily the easiest way to do it, but to go on Netflix and check it out pretty easy. But anyway, so the reason why the February 15th reported is not necessarily true is because to meet Netflix standards, a lot of things have to happen. It wasn't on Netflix's official release for February. And there's reasons for that because you've got season one with 40 episodes that are in English and Spanish. You got season two with uh, 26 episodes that are in English only. Okay. And to meet Netflix standards, you got over a hundred hours of material that have to be delivered. They have to be dubbed, closed captioned. Um, and, and all the things that have to happen to these episodes per Netflix specifications it's very purely at this point if no other reason a technical issue um and i even had netflix canada tweet at me and lucha blog that the february 15th was going to happen and then they pulled their tweet down because i think they got word that like hey bro we don't know if that's going to make it and that's why it wasn't on netflix official list you know this past week so that's the news guys and it's not even a big news the, the the simple fact of the matter is yay hooray we're all happy there is a netflix deal but don't jump in you know when that netflix deal is happening because the people who are making the damn videos don't even know what day that's happening yet and we'll say as soon as they know <laughs> yeah and i want sorry that was that's my rant that, yeah and if people think you're blowing smoke up their ass about the technical thing i i say to them watch daredevil Watch it all the way through the credits and see the 10 different languages the fucking credits are in. And then yeah, you'll pre-existing shows when yeah. they come up on, on Netflix. If you watch them now, there's an extra two or three minutes at the end of all the 
again after it went on Netflix. You got the French dubbing. You got the, the German dubbing. You got the guys who did this and this and this. Like, there's extra credits that are added to shows because of all the stuff that has to get done. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm sure that everybody at Lucha and MGM and whoever's taking care of it is busting their butt to get it up as soon as they possibly can, especially during the hiatus and get the hype going on. And we all know how great a thing this is going to be. Same time, man, there's certain things that have to happen. There's and it's just that. And, and, and there's credible sources that are saying that, look, guys, we would love to hit that date, but that's not, that's not, our, that's just a date. Yeah. And, and, you know, maybe that date happens. Maybe that date doesn't happen. They don't know. So, I don't know. What do you guys, you guys can tell me what you think. I mean, Marty, does it irritate you when stuff comes out about the, the product that you're involved with that, that may or may not be accurate? And then all of a sudden it's reported like it's actually news. Yeah. It, it, it uh, I, you know, take all that stuff with a grain of salt, man, because, you know, one of the things, you know, that I always tell my, my daughter or my wife or, or people in general that I'm talking to, you always got to know your audience. You got to know your source, you know? So if there's credibility there, if there isn't any credibility, you know, it, it's, it's your source. And, you know, you, you, you got to understand your audience and, and who's giving you the information. So for me, I, I take that stuff with a grain of salt, uh, you know, People are going to report what they want to report. You know, that that's the internet. And of course, we all know that the internet is Bible and it's law, so to speak. Um, I mean, it's already, it's already on the Wikipedia page. Of course it is. It's on the Wikipedia page today that Netflix is going to have Lucha Underground on February 15th. Oh, yeah. And, le- and Netflix is going to buy Lucha Underground too, guys. Of course. No. And, you know, the rumors that they come with all this stuff and people jumping the gun and assuming, you know, that they know Lucha Underground or they know the the, the happenings and, and what's really going on. You know, it, it's just something, you know, that I just, you know, kind of take with a grain of salt and just, you know, if they know, they know. If they don't, then they don't. But I don't believe anything until I see a press release from the LRA Network or from Lucha mm-hmm. Underground itself. And even if I do know, I'm not going to post anything until it's official, until they've actually made their stuff. Do I know certain things? Absolutely. Am I going to tell people? Hell no. You know, I mean, and and there's a certain way I think to go about it too. Like Lucha Underground this week put up a date on the banner of the Lucha Underground page. Now, I I feel like I'm pretty sure I know what that date is. But what I put up when I read it and put was, hey, look, Lucha Underground changed their banner today. I'm really stoked about this. That's what I said. I didn't say this is when episodes are coming back. I didn't say anything of the kind because it doesn't say that. Now, later I saw a DJ tweet out to somebody who asked directly, hey, when's Lucha Underground coming back? And he posted that exact same date. So, hey, there's a little bit of a confirmation. A credible guy in the know, co-executive producer on the show, has typed onto the interwebs, that number as well, which is like, okay, now we got two things here. We've got this banner up on Lucha's page and we got one of the bosses who's thrown out this number also. So, Hey, that's most likely accurate. That most likely is the date that Lucha underground is returning with the second half of season three. That's now credible information guys. But this other thing, I don't know where the number came from. I don't know where that date came from. Maybe it was accurate at some point. Maybe there was a little bit of credible information or whatnot, but I just found it amazing that it became a news source, like that one person said something without citing that they even had a source. And all of a sudden it was on Uproxx and it's on this and that. 
It's from, a shame because you oh, see it's a shame because you see that enthusiasm that people have for the product. They want it and they want it to be represented really well. Everyone's wanted Netflix for Lucha Underground forever. And it's to me, it's a shame because it's like that first impression. You only get one chance to make the first impression. And now for a lot of people, they think February 15th, they're going to see Lucha Underground on Netflix. And it's probably not going to happen that day. And then they're going to think, oh, well, every, the sky is falling. Well, maybe people will try to make it happen that now, but it's like retroactive. I don't know. I shall I, statement about all of this in the next couple of weeks, as soon as everybody knows what date is achievable and reachable for a lot of things. Um, and I think that there'll be exciting information coming from Dorian and the LOC, Libra FMV guys. I think they're going to have some information coming out. I think, you know, that, that MGM and L Ray network will have some information coming out about the return of the season. I think that there'll be some information about the Netflix deal. Maybe once, maybe they're planning some big release of this information. Maybe they're not, maybe they'll trickle out, maybe, you know, but at the same time, it's not like these guys don't want to make money people. Like, it's not like they don't want people to love the product and to be excited. And believe me, they will take, every opportunity they can to get all of us as excited as we can possibly be. Don't doubt that for a second, but at the same time, they don't want to get you excited about something that isn't a guarantee that isn't for sure going to happen or that isn't in their control, you know? And there's also ways that deals work, man. Deals have to be announced certain ways. There's PR mm -hmm. standards to a press release about upcoming marketing, it's just that simple. You can't just willy-nilly say, okay, because we think we're going to do this, let ports tell everyone. It doesn't work that way. No, no. And <laughs> you're absolutely right. There's legalities to it, and there's other stuff that really goes on behind the scenes that I don't think sources even know. Or, or and, and for me, the, you know, the biggest question is that this source who released the information, does that source even work for Lucha Underground? Well, it certainly sounds like it now from the way it was re-reported by everybody else. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, but here, here's, here's my take real quick. And, you know, just, yeah. just to, and we can move on after that. Go for it. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll just say this. And I'm sure that Eric Van Wagen, EB Dub, would, would actually, if he was on this right now, he, he would say the same thing. And people need to understand that Lucha Underground is a TV show. First and foremost, it's a TV show, it's episodes and it's seasons. It's not a wrestling promotion. It was never, ever, you know, mentioned that this was going to be a promotion. What happened was, is that Lucha Underground was brought to TV. We, we, we brought the product. People went goo goo gaga over it. People love it, which is amazing. And it took off unbeknownst to the people who were producing it or behind it. And this thing just caught fire. These people, the, the, the corporates, the conglomerates, everything else didn't know that this was going to take off the way it did. And being, being that it's TV people and such and everything, TV has seasons. So there's breaks and, and there's things that need to happen in TV. Whereas if you're a wrestling promotion, let's say, WWE, you go off of live events, your TV is second nature. And, and I lived in WWE, I know that that's the way it works. This is a TV show on the Ray Network, 
that's produced by MGM, factory made and such and everything. The decisions that are being made to, to, to cut mid-season, this and that and everything, those are all TV things that happen in TV every single day. And people need to understand that. It's not something that they just want to pull the product and take it away from everybody and, oh, my God, Lucha's in a financial gridlock, this and that. That's not the case. This is TV. And this is what they do in TV every single day. And I'm going to reiterate that, that with that being said, this was a product that took off and they were like, whoa, hold on. This is something that's, you know, catching fire. Let's take a step back. Let's see what we need to do. Let's restructure. Let's reorganize. If we're going to do this with Lucha Underground, let's do it the right way. Let's have things in place where this thing is going to take off and be successful and it's going to be controllable. And that goes with TV, that goes with merchandising, that goes with deals, that goes with everything else. It's not that Lucha Underground is going away. This is a TV show that is, you know, a wrestling promotion. So people need to look at it that way and not look at it the other way, that it's a promotion and, and we need to be out on tour. We need to be doing all that. So with that being said, people hold tight. Lucha Underground isn't going anywhere. Just hang on tight because 2017 is going to kick ass. I believe it. And I'm so happy to hear you say that too. It's like, you know, we've been kind of saying that and echoing that feeling for a few weeks now on this show and people are taking notice yeah. of it. Like it's something special, but it's like, no guys, this is just TV because, you know, Byron and I are TV producers also. So we understand some of this stuff. And to us, it's like, Oh yeah, I get what's going on. Like, look at the walking dead. The first time they took a mid season hiatus, Walking Dead fans freaked the F out. Nobody had a clue what was going on. It was like, what do you mean? I, I got to wait four months to see the rest of this season. But it's it's commonplace. It was like, no, no, the marketing is in place. We're going to take a break. No one watches TV during Christmas and this, that, and the other thing. So they had a reason. And, and look, The Walking Dead is still the number one show on TV. It's not... Now and now people expect it and now walking dead which just like lucha underground in a certain way not as big but the walking dead soon yeah but the walking dead took off a certain way that was unexpected i think to them and it was like wow let's get our ducks in a row they they moved around some showrunners they changed some creative they changed some cast they did some things that that eventually the number one show you know and and lucha underground is still in its infancy in a lot of ways and and none of this mm -hmm. stuff is secrets either. Like the stuff that we've heard EB Dub talking about forever of trying to do 40 episodes a year, trying to make the schedule work and not be in that temple in the summer and this, that, and the other thing. Like he's been saying this stuff for a long time. And, and a lot of other people have been with that fundamentally for a long time as well. So I was, I was surprised that everyone else was surprised. It was like, yeah, it's unfortunate because we're hungry for the product and we're wrestling fans. So we're used to getting it every week. But at the same time, it's like, no, let these guys get their ducks in a row so this thing can come back and last for 12, 13, 14 years and not, you know, fizzle out or kill them trying to make something in an unrealistic fashion. Like the way season three came in and it was so quick and it was like the turnaround was was minuscule and it was like, you know, and, mm -hmm. and don't get me wrong. I think the season three product was phenomenal. But at the same time, it was like we knew that it was taxing on a lot of people. Like, and there was a lot of stuff that wasn't quite in place on the outskirts, you know, the creative of the show and the talent in the ring was completely in place, but the, you know, there was a lot of, of, you know, outer workings that needed to be in place and they weren't in time. And it was like, everyone's just going, going, going. Yeah. So I, I, for one, look, 
I'm sad when I turn on my TV on Wednesday and I don't get to see brand new episodes like anybody else. But at the same time, I'm hopeful that it means that the regrouping time that is being allotted is really going to turn some heads with some big things moving forward. That's, that's mm-hmm. my piece on it. So Marty got to get off the bullshit and let me talk to you about Lucha underground itself. Is Johnny Mundo trying to kill you? It seems like you get bumped around a lot in his matches. What the hell is going on? Like, uh, do I need to talk to Mr. Morrison? What's up? Yeah, it's funny. I, I have had that conversation with him and I said, Johnny, why is it that when, whenever I, I take a bump, it's in your match. I said, you know, it's always with you, you know, and it, it was funny. I got a great story. We did South by Southwest when we did that last March and, uh, we uh, were, were putting the show together and we were doing our walkthrough and stuff. And I, I was in a production meeting with DJ and Chris Roach and EB Dub and stuff. So they're in the ring putting the match together. And uh, I come walking out and I catch the tail end. Oh, yeah. And then Marty will take the 619 and then we'll go and then you guys come up. And I just went like, what was that? He goes, hey, dude, you can be taking the 619. And I'm like, okay, that's Johnny Mundo. But, you know, it's it's one of the things, you know, that I, I chuckle at. And, of course, he beats me up and everything. But here's the thing. And this is going back to being a good referee, working, knowing. Johnny trusts me. He's confident in what I do. He knows I'm going to be there. And he knows he doesn't have to worry about some referee messing up a spot that's vital to the match. That's why. Trustworthiness. I love it. Well, so you talk, about, you talk about Johnny Mundo and you talk about him being your favorite uh your favorite match is any match with Johnny Mundo. You've been in a ring with him for a long time, over a long time. You've seen him um, at different stages in his career. I mean, he's at the top of his game right now, right? Johnny Mundo. And I've, I've had this conversation with him and I've told numerous people, I'll tell you guys, Johnny Mundo to me is in his prime. I've seen the guy, years i've worked with him for years i know him personally i know what he is what he is and inside and out of the ring and he is on fire man i mean the guy is at his peak we're lucky to have him lucha underground he's not going anywhere but the guy is just bringing his a game every single time man and he is such a joy and pleasure to work with i I, i'm honored to call him my friend and to see his success with Lucha Underground and to see where he's at, you know, outside of the ring as well. I've never seen the guy happier. He's amazing and he's such a great talent, man. And I just wish him all the best. And, you know, the, the guy is, you know, at his peak, man. He's in his prime and it's an honor to be in the ring with him. Well, so now we, we know Mundo is is super great. And you mentioned Thunder Rosa earlier, who I think is actually going to come on the show next week, hopefully. And chat with us about some some Cobra Moon and some Thunderosa stuff. But, you know, who who are the other talents that you've seen kind of emerge in this part? Her, she came from, you know, she was working a lot, but she came from relative obscurity. And, and like, who else are you yeah. been surprised by that, that has just taken this Lucha Underground thing by the horns like you yourself did and, and kind of made something out of themselves? Uh, I, I like to say Pentagon came from, you know, in Phoenix. These guys are guys who are absolute stars right now. And I remember coming in when they first came in and, and seeing them and everything and, and, and knowing about them and hearing about them, but not to the extent 
that we hear about them today. You know, so seeing these guys on fire, man, was just, it was incredible to see where these guys are growing. And, you know, a, a lot of the Lucha Underground talent, you know, they they all bring their A game in and, and they all want to be, you know, stars and they all want to see this product succeed. And all of them in general are just bringing, like, like I said, and, and I'm repeating myself, but they're all bringing their A game in. And it, it's good to see people grow because some of these people, this is their first time on TV. This is the first time they're actually earning good money and, and getting the exposure that they've gotten. So to see people get in there and actually elevate their game is is so cool. You got the Son of Havocs, you got Angelico, you know, you got, uh, God, who else is there? Prince Puma, Ricochet. I mean, to see that guy go, I mean, it's, and, and a guy that I love too, a kid that is, is just going to be off the hook, man, is Ricky Mandel. Ricky Mandel is, you know, I love that kid, man. The, you know, the opportunities, you know, that he may or may not get. But, you know, j j just keep your eye on Ricky Mandel. Of course, Kevin Cross, hopefully, you know, he, he makes it to TV or whatever. But there's a lot of young, hungry guys out there who are doing great. Cortez Castro, Ricky Reyes, that's another guy who's just mm -hmm. bringing it, man. And it's cool to see Paul London in a whole different spectrum, too. You know, it, it's cool. Uh, Matt Stryker and Vampire, what they do on commentary, man. I mean, it's amazing that these guys never worked together doing commentary. Vampiro, for that fact, never even did commentary, man. So now to see him on fire and do what he's doing, it, it's just great. Another aspect, too, is to see Chavo Guerrero behind the scenes working as a producer and doing the things that he never did, but he's doing here and he's succeeding at it and he's doing it in the ring and behind the scenes and everything. So to see all these people come out of their show, so to speak, and to blossom and to grow. It, it, it's it's so cool, man, to see these guys and girls do their stuff, man. Now, but I got I to gotta ask this, especially when, you, when you're, like, you're talking about Vampiro, for instance, um, doesn't necessarily strike me as a guy who was cut out for color commentary from the get-go. But at the same time, it's working and working beautifully, but it feels like it's because he's kind of been let off the leash to a certain extent. And, and it feels like that with a lot of people in Lucha Underground, like Marty, um, you know, Marty the Moth comes in and he has this, this gimmick of, of being this schlubby guy who's just kind of walking it off the street, but then he runs with it. Yeah. And I feel like Vamp is running with it and, and Cobra Moon is running with it. Like, is, is that the beauty of, of Lucha Underground? It's like, how do you decide... To, to let these people run with it that may be a little bit green, that maybe haven't had TV time. How do you put your trust and faith in somebody who's new to go in there and perform like that? Well, I mean, I, I have to throw it to, to Chris Roach, Krista Joseph, and, you know, uh, Chavo, the producers, Vamp, and these guys, Stryker. It, it, it's one of these things, you know, where, where the ideas are there and the ideas come organically if that makes sense and people are given a certain you know vignette or they're given a certain piece to, to to say hey what do you think about this this is our idea and dj sits there all the time hey man i got this and this idea bro what do you think and people sit there and go like yeah okay let me try this and it's getting like you said getting that opportunity to go be this character and really indulge and get into that character and become that character whereas other places they're like okay you got two minutes I need you to do this. And people go out there like Bobby Brady and in the red light and just like freeze where they're not given that opportunity to, you know, showcase. And, and here's a cool thing too, is like Lucha Underground, you know, 
characters and stuff are given the opportunity to, to work dark matches and they, they get to do stuff just to try different things. But when somebody's given a specific character, the thing that I like is that DJ is very detailed and so is Chris Roach on exactly what they're looking for and they present it to you in a way that people are grasping it and going like, okay, I get that, I can do that. So they're getting the ball and they're being able to run. And, and do that. And it's cool to sit in, you know, the production meetings before the, the shows and tapings to sit there and listen to some of the ideas. Some of the ideas, if you guys heard some of the ideas that were, you know, thrown around in production meetings and stuff, you guys would go like, you guys are insane. I've heard a couple of them and they're pretty out there. Yeah. It, I mean, well, there's already a dragon that breathes fire that's on the show. So yeah. you can imagine what there's a time traveler, show. Byron, there's a time traveler yeah. and, and lots of hot women that are more than 200 years old. Yeah, let's talk about that. And it's funny because there's some just stuff that's just like so outside the box that, you know, when EB Dub hears them, he goes, Oh, you guys are full of shit. <laughs> but sometimes I can hear him saying it too. I can just see him like, What? What are you? Are you kidding me? Really? We're going to do that? But he, doesn't, he probably won't say, Whoa, whoa, whoa. He's saying, What? We're going to do that? <laughs> yeah. And, and, he, and one of the things that Eric does a lot, he goes, uh, I'm trusting you on this. You know, he does that. So, <laughs> and of course it works out, man. So there you go. All right. So, so since we're talking about these crazy characters, um, there's some scary dudes. There's some, some real monsters like in Lucha underground. Who's the scariest monster? Are we talking it's Vibora, the Luchasaurus. Is it Mil Muertes? Is it Matanza? Who's the scariest monster to you in Lucha underground? Uh, Mil Muertes by far, man. Far, yes. Th th that guy is just a monster in itself, man. Mil Muertes is Mil Muertes. I mean, you know, when you see Mil Muertes, it's not Macias, it's not whoever, it's, it's Mil Muertes, man. And talk about a guy who gets the character and brings that character alive, man. It it's, it's scary. It's scary. Uh, no, no one has gotten me to move in the temple faster. Yeah. That's for double damn sure. Not even Matanza. Like Milmuertes comes by and says, move. Like every idiot that's in the temple that doesn't move, I'm just like, you are not a real believer. You should not be here. You're going to die. This is okay. not good for you. Okay. Yeah. Go, going back to South by Southwest, there was a spot that Phoenix and Milmuertes did. Move. There, there was some guy who wasn't a believer. I guess he was there at the show forever. Move. And, you know, like you said, when Mill says move, you move. move. So the guy stood there on his phone. He was trying to take pictures and do whatever. And then God. and then Mill looks at me, and then Phoenix gets up and everything, and he says, move. The guy just sat there. So he, he looks to uh, Phoenix, and he says in Spanish, he goes, vamonos. So <laughs> he, shoot, he shoots Phoenix into the dude. Boom, knocks him down, breaks his chair and everything else. And the guy's on the floor selling and he's hurting everything. And I said, you should have moved. <laughs> <laughs> it is the double truth, man. People just don't know. It gets real when Mill is out there in the audience, man. And he it, he's going to work the crowd every time, too. He's, there's going to be a yeah. spot near a crowd if he has anything to do with it. When we bring a new uh, person into a taping, that's the first rule we tell them when they sit with us because we're usually ringside first rule of a lucha underground taping is when mill says to move you move yes we have really actually said that to several to several newbies haven't we yeah one of my friends hid behind one of my other friends when mill came running which is just beautiful smart but but dude mill can go through two people 
Well, yeah, Mill he, can send a body through two people. Here, so. I, got, I, I got a Mill story, man. Uh, in, uh, right in the beginning of season three, we were walking through some stuff. And th this is just how strong this guy is. He was walking through some stuff and everything, and, and he went to hit the, the corner or something. My hand happened to be like on the turnbuckle, and he went and he hit it, and I went, oh, my God. Oh, God, I felt something. I just knew something was wrong. So I went to the doctors uh, the following Monday and everything. He fractured my, my uh, knuckles on my right hand, my, oh, pinky, my pinky and my uh, ring finger. He fractured them with just a, a punch, dude. Holy smokes, man. Oh, he has, a, he has the hardest punch in the business. Oh, dude, tell me about it, man. I, I was I was hurting for a bit, but, you know, the show must go on. Yeah, just don't be there. That's it's the only solution to that. Just don't be there when it's coming, brother. You should have told Eric uh, that before he punched him in the face. <laughs> dude. Do you have any Katrina stories? Maybe those hurt less. Katrina stories? No, no, not at all. You know, I, you know, I, 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 she goes in, she does her thing and, you know, she licks people and, you know, that's pretty much it. You know, you know, she's, she's licked all the other referees except me, you know, because, you know, I have a, I have a gorgeous hot wife, you know, who, you know, I, I, I don't want to be disrespectful like that, but. Now see, know. ladies and gentlemen, that right there yes. is the smartest yeah. referee in the game. That's some smart stuff right there. You want to talk about working, working smarter and not harder? That's how you do it, folks. Happy wife, happy feel, life, man. I, I, it makes me upset that she's like Justin, the ref, not yeah. Justin in yeah, this that, podcast. Yeah, that's what I mean. You know, she, she's licked those other guys and all that, and, you know, it hasn't come to that. But, you know, I, I just, you know, it's like, you know, I, I you know, don't, don't see it happening in the future, you know, because I, I don't want to do that. You know, uh, not not to say that, you know, uh, oh, no, I, I don't want to be licked with that tongue. It's licked everything or whatever. It's not that or I don't like her. It's just, you know, out of respect for my wife. You know, well, listen, that, I'll, I'll come to your ref school, Marty. You'll teach me how to ref. And then when you don't want to do her <laughs> matches, you can put me in for you. I will tag in. I will do. I will do the Katrina matches for you so that okay. you don't have to deal with it. I uh, volunteer as okay. tribute. You'll be a referee tag team. I'll, I'll let her know that and I'll let DJ and Evie Dub know that too. But no, I mean, you know, and the funny thing is I haven't been approached, you know, to, to take a lick or this and that and everything, but I'm sure if I was approached, I'm sure DJ would understand. And so would Katrina, you know, that out of respect to my wife, I, I don't want to do that, you know? So I just love my I wife got, too much. I got a quick question. Uh, do you get a kick out of um, like at PWG and the Southern California or maybe even the Vegas shows? I was at a FSW show and, I saw all you guys there, but I saw, I think, Knox and Justin there. Uh, but the crowd seemed to know you guys, and you all have your own sort of personalities or gimmicks. And I just wanted to know, why is Justin so horrible? <laughs> wow. That's Wow. wow that's way, to, way to beat around the bush there, Brian. Way to not just zero right in on it. No, so but how, how, is you, it, how is so that? How do you really feel? I'm kidding. I like I like Justin, but that's the thing. Like everyone yells at him. Everyone uh, does. You just like saying my name Knox. and something horrible in the same sentence. That's what it well, is. It, it, it fits. And Knox has to, you know, going over the top rope. You have the Marty dance, you know. Uh, but how how is the that? Marty like, dance? What's the Marty dance? You do the you do the when, when Melissa makes you do the spin. Oh, the spin. Yeah. Okay, I was like the dance. I was like, really? <laughs> Where was I? <laughs> but it's almost like sometimes you're more over than the wrestlers in the ring at this point. Yeah, see, and, you, you know what, man? I 
just feel so so embarrassed at times when that happens because th- that's that's not supposed to be happening. You know, I go in like I said earlier, man. I want to do the best job I can and everything, but you know, it's it, it's it's happening and it's happening organically. It's not something that I'm asking for. Like I said, it's my work speaking for itself, and people are entertained by what I do, and I go in there and I work hard. Am I humbled by this? Yeah, man. I mean, it's, I still pinch myself, man, especially more so nowadays, you know, because it's like, man, this is really happening. People know who I am more so than, you know, anything I ever did with WWE, man. So it's mind boggling to see that. And, you know, to to get recognized when I go to Disneyland, uh, of course, I'm a Disney nerd. um, But, you know, when I go to Disneyland, uh, on date night every Saturday night, you know, that there's fans, you know, I'm wearing the swag or something like that. People just like, Oh my God, you're Marty Elias. And I go, yeah. They go, Oh my God, can I get a picture with you? And I'm going, yeah, sure. Here's a guitar pick. So, uh, you know, it, it's very humbling, man. And, well, and that I, was I, the dream, wasn't it, Marty? That was the dream that you had when you were a little kid. You wanted to be given the autographs. You wanted to be recognized. And here it is. It's, it's however many years later, you're the senior referee and official for, Lucha Underground, you walk into Disneyland and people know who the heck you are because you worked your way up and you earned it. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And, but to me, man, it, it, it's it's very, very humbling because I never really thought it was going to happen like this. And it is. And not to say that I get recognized, I mean, like Shawn Michaels or Jericho or whoever, but it, it's pretty cool to get recognized for your work and what you do. And, you know, it, it's wow. It, it's, you know, mind, mind boggling, dude. Well, I, I, for one, think that it's well-deserved. Um, you know, Byron and I talked to you at the season two finale screening at the movie theater for Lucha Underground. And, you know, just in chatting with you for a couple of minutes over some wings and hanging out and doing what the Lucha Click does, it was like, damn, Marty is the guy who has the best seat in the house for the stuff that we love. Like, we have good seats. Yeah. We've been sitting right on the front row for a lot of great moments in Lucha Underground. And it's like, damn it, there is one dude who has a better seat than us. And it's freaking Marty. And the stories that guy must have. And lo and behold, yeah. here you are on our show telling us those stories and kind of living through some of it. And and for us, it's like, that's why it's amazing. Because you're a guy that we know has the same passion as a fan of everything, as well as someone who is is working on it. Like we can't claim to do the work that you do or that we put in the time and effort that you have put in to earn that best seat in the house, but you've got it, man. You're standing right next to Mundo and Puma when they're fighting over the belt. Dude, Ray and Puma, we were talking about that match and we were talking about that match, how we were ringside. Like we were so excited for Ultima Luchados for that Ray and Puma match. And you're like, I had the best seat. I was in the ring. Yeah, and you know, stuff like that is very humbling, guys, to to know that you're in there with with those kind of guys, you know, and the talent that those guys have and what they bring to the business and who they are in the business, especially working with Rey Mysterio. You know, he's Mr. Lucha, you know, he, he's the king of Lucha. And, and to be there with him and, and and to you know to get his matches and, and, and to work and you know, like you said, just have the best seat in the house, but it goes back to the same thing. Ray being comfortable with me and knowing that I'm going to be there for him and just getting those matches, you know, and like you said, I've earned it. And, you know, that, that's what DJ wanted. You know, when he first approached me about doing Lucha Underground is that he wanted me to be his senior official. And, you know, here I am. 
So, okay, being the senior official, I got to ask this one, Marty. I always ask at least one hard question to all of our guests. You guys finally take the show on the road. We're not talking about the South by Southwest thing. We're talking about Lucha in Vivo. Mm-hmm. What was up with those ring ropes at that one? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> come on, brother. What happened? You were, you were there, right? Yeah, what, what was going on with those ring ropes? That was some, that was like... <sighs> Grandma boobies. It was saggy, man. It was not. How do you have a Chuck Evans match? Which, which show did you go to? I, I wasn't there. I wasn't there. I just saw it later. I okay. just saw the ring ropes. Okay. And I was like, so you, that's why I say you, you tell me what happened, brother. Okay. What happened was, is the guy who we uh, commissioned to, to do our rings for us and stuff was a guy that I, I've known forever. And he, you know, brought the ring and stuff and, you know, did that in uh, when I seen the ropes earlier. I mean, I I was appalled by it, and I had actually mentioned it to him, and I mentioned to I mentioned it a lot, and I actually had some of the guys come to me and you know voice their opinion about it, and we actually had the the, the same thing in Houston, uh, and you know the, the guys didn't want to do certain things because they didn't feel safety, and it's my responsibility as the you know, ring guy, maintenance guy, whatever. I take full responsibility for that, you know, because they, they weren't where they needed to be, the ropes or the ring. And I take full responsibility for that. Will it happen on the next live events? No. Um, but I take full responsibility for that. You know, I uh, had somebody, you know, that I had in mind. We gave them the opportunity. And, you know, will we give another opportunity? Rudy, if you're listening, ropes, brother, ropes. So there you go. All right. See, and this is why I had to ask you is like, I know I was putting you on blast a little bit because I know you take that stuff very seriously. I've seen yes, how, how attentive you are to the tension of the mm-hmm. ropes, like even in WWE and other places, it's like, I don't know that other people pay attention to this stuff like you do, but you know, you've got luchadors, you know, you got guys that are going to do certain rope spots. Some guys are going to hit turnbuckles hard. Some guys need the extra spring. Some guys need a little lag in it to, to get the right recoil. Like you're very, particular about it and i know that you will change you know the actual ring itself based on a performer or based on spots that that have to be done a certain way um and that's why i had to ask you because i was like when i first saw it i was like oh hell no i know marty lost his damn mind on this situation and one of these days i'm gonna have to ask him about it because i'm not i'm not afraid to ask about it and i was like i know it's gonna be uncomfortable for him but at the same time i gotta ask like no no i i I lost it man i i really did man especially being in there and it happening dude i lost it and you know i i voiced my opinion you know but but i did it the right way and you know I, i i love rudy uh, and, you know, I, I gave him the opportunity to, to correct the problem. And, you know, I, I, I hope he corrects the problem, you know, if we go out on the road and do more stuff. And, you know, it, it's just one of those things. And like I said, you know, I take full responsibility for it. I'm the one who got Rudy involved and contacted him and, you know, arranged everything. And, you know, that, that, that's something that, that happens. And it's one of those things, you know, that when you go out on the road, you know, you, you, it's one of these uh minor setbacks that you have that next time you go out, you just know better. And next time Lucha goes out, I know better. Well, and at the same time, I'm going to say this, as soon as I heard about it and saw what was going on, I also was not afraid for the performers at all, as I would have been if it was in some gymnasium back in Ohio and it was some local show and, and nobody knew what was going on. I was like, well, look, Marty's there. So it doesn't matter 
like it sucks for them it's not ideal but at the same time no one's going to get hurt they're going to work safe they know what the issue is mm-hmm. now you know i'm i know that marty's on top of it i know these other guys are on top of it so at the same time you know we we had a little bit of a laugh at it i know it was deadly serious for you but at the same time we were just like look yeah. we know everyone's fine the crowd's still loving it it's still a great event and you know this at the same time is also like hey we want to see Lucha touring and we want to see them have time to prep and make sure everything is right in the future and really get out there and do some cool things at house shows and on yeah. the road. Um, Cause I know that that whole thing came together super fast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it was crazy on how fast that had to come together. Uh, but the thing is, you know, I, I'm very passionate, like you said, and I really am really, really a stickler when it comes to rings and safety. Because, you know, believe it or not, yeah, I don't know if you know this or not, but those tapings don't start at the temple unless I sign off on those rings being ready and everything ready to go. I know. We've been we've been waiting in there when it's like 98 degrees for you, Marty. We know. <laughs> but, but, but Marty, you, you, you said you've signed off on the safety. What's up with Dario's office? It doesn't seem to be that sound. Like people go through the windows, people go through the roof. What? I think there might need to be some, some codes checked on the office. Who signs off on the bleachers? Who signs off on the bleachers? That's our uh, set, folks. Uh, <laughs> but but as far as offices and, and rooftops and all that and everything, you got to figure who's going through them. We, we mentioned Mil Muertas, Matanza. So there you go, man. Yeah, I guess yeah. if you throw 300 pounds. People going through the bleachers, they're going through the parts we don't sit at. We sit in the front row. Come on. It, it's fine. Oh, that's wow. not true, Casey. When I first came to Lucha Underground with yeah. you guys, we sat at the very top of the bleachers. Just luckily, it was on the other side. We had I to had work my, our way up, Justin. I, I know. We paid our dues. My knees were tucked under my chin. I was. We were, were, all, were all squeezed in in the back row in the bleachers. It was the high five section, though, because you got to high five Drago when he would come out and drip the tongue yeah. and stuff, and it was awesome. Yeah. I like the high five section. I miss it. We're not going back, though. Front row, front row only. Well, Marty, this has been amazing. Um, is there anything else you want to share with us? I mean, I know you've got some of the best stories in the world. So if there's anything else you want to share with us before we move on and talk about the other inane things that we're going to speak about, tonight, um, I, I just want to thank you for joining us and, and give you a last opportunity. If there's anything else you want to throw in, brother. Oh, man, I got a list right here, guys. Oh, yeah. so hit it. First and yeah. foremost, man, I want to give a big shout out to Brian Metz. Brian, B-Dog, man, if you're listening, bro, if you're watching, I love you, man. You're my brother, and you know you, you take care of everybody at Lucha Underground. And I also wanted to thank all the folks who uh, take care of uh, everybody at Lucha Underground, from the cable guys to the camera guys to everybody. W- without those individuals, you know, we wouldn't be able to do Lucha Underground, and Lucha Underground wouldn't have the success that it has. So thank all those folks behind the scenes, you know, Christy, you know, Liz, Matt, I mean, just, you know, a handful of people. So thank you guys. Much love to you guys. Uh, wanted to also thank uh, Future Legend uh, and Champ of Future Legend Apparel, which my boys are taking care of me with some merch. Hey, love yeah. it. Tell them to send us some shit too. What's yeah. up? Yeah. yeah, so check them out, man. Futurelegend.com. These guys have some very cool stuff, man. I mean, if you're into dreams, achieving dreams and, and uh wearing some cool gear, man, these guys have some stuff, man. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't wear it if I didn't like the message, and the message is just great, man. It's about fulfilling your dreams and going out and you know, doing what you gotta do. And what's the uh, website again, Marty? Uh futurelegend.com. All right. Uh, FutureLegend.com. 
Uh, also, too, man, I want to give a big shout out to my uh, my uh, brothers in stripes. Uh, and I got my list right here. So I'll just go, you know, Jack Doan, thank you for taking care of me at WWE, man. I really appreciate it. You know, our time there, bro. Chad Patton, still love watching you on TV. Mike Kyoto, Mike Kyoto is one of the guys who helped me out and I watched before I got to WWE. So tremendous. Scott Armstrong, you know, part of the Armstrong family, man. He's doing great stuff there at WWE yeah. right now. So Scotty, love you, man. Uh, John Cone, you know, Coner is, is doing great. Um, you know, he's working behind the scenes with WWE now too. And, you know, God bless him. He's doing great. Jimmy Corderas out in Canada, man. Corderas, thank you so very much for taking me under your wing. When I did the SmackDown stuff, man, you took care of me and God bless you, man. Uh, Goose Mahoney out in Florida. Keep riding, bro. Uh, Rick Knox, of course, Noxie, you know, you and I have been through a lot of shit together. So, you know, mad props to you. Uh, Justin Borden, Justin's favorite referee. <laughs> no, no, you know what, man? Knox, Knox and, and Borden, man, those guys have really earned their keep, man. These guys have been through a lot of stuff and they, they've worked for a lot of people here in Southern California and they've really not had that opportunity to do some cool stuff. When DJ asked me for two other referees, those are the first two guys who came to mind. And I'm so glad, you know, that I was able to help them out and be a part of Lucha Underground, man. Those guys worked their asses off and they deserve you know, everything that they're getting, man. I love those guys. So I'll see them soon. Uh, but most importantly, I want to thank Timmy White. Timmy White took me under his wing at WWE like a lot of these guys did, showed me the ropes, smartened me up to a lot of stuff. And Timmy White, you're awesome. Uh, but Tommy Young, old MWA referee man, watching a lot of his stuff that he he did, you know, very big inspiration. And I, I took some stuff for myself and I made him, you know, Marty Elias stuff. But I also want to send a very special shout out and a get well to Charles Robinson, who was injured this past Sunday at the Royal Rumble during the Cena and AJ match. Charles, you know, I love you, man. You got great hair. And, uh, you know, I hope to see you sooner than later uh, on TV, bro. You know, I love you. And I'll, I'll talk to you soon. Uh, I got a couple other things. So uh, bear with me. Uh, February 18th, just want to remind everybody. Uh, the Santino brothers, I'll be doing the Marty Elias referee seminar. So come, come one, come all, whether you're a referee aspiring, uh, you're a manager, you're a worker, come out, man. I'm going to share stories. I'm going to show you guys how to work in the ring, how to work with the baby face, heel, what it takes to make it, how to get there and you know, all of the above. I'm looking forward to it. I, I did a clinic in July of 2015 with Dr. Tom and it was amazing. And Dr. Tom gave me props and, you know, he, he endorses what I'm doing right now. And he says, if I need anything to let him know, because Dr. Tom is the king of clinics and he's probably the greatest trainer that ever lived in wrestling history. So, you know, I'm really looking forward to that and uh, taking this whole referee thing to the next level as far as training wise. And, you can hit the, is it on the website, SantinoBrothers.net? Yes, sir. Yes, it is. SantinoBros.net, I think. Well, let me check SantinoBros. SantinoBros.net. Yeah, that's where yes. you can go and check out the info. Yeah, check that out. Guys. Sign up, come up, or you can come day of and sign up, man. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. I want to thank Joey Munoz for giving me the opportunity and, uh, you know, doing it there. So it's, it's going to be cool. And uh, on that note, uh, if other promoters are listening, uh, if there's anybody out there in the United States or in abroad, Mexico, Japan, they want Marty Elias seminar to come out or you want me to work for you, uh, I'll be more than happy. Hit me up at uh, bookmartyelias at gmail.com. That's Marty Elias or bookmartyelias at gmail.com. And social media, Facebook, just hit up Marty Elias. 
uh, uh, Instagram, Marty Elias six, seven. And on Twitter, it's Marty Elias, 1967. So there we go, guys. There it is. Love it, man. Marty, look, thank you so much for doing this with us tonight. And you got to come back because there's like, there's like five stories I already know about that. It's like, damn, we didn't even get to this, that, and the other thing. Mm -hmm. Like you, you are the man of, of mythical legend with the, with the inside goods as being the third man in the ring, brother. So thank you so, so very much for coming out. And uh, I'm glad we finally got to do this now that glow is done. Cause I know I was trying to get you when yeah. glow was going on. You're like, bro, 12 hour days. I'm in front of it. Like it's not happening. I, there's no way. <laughs> oh, Hey, if you're going season two, Justin and I have resumes. If you don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, and 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 you know what? Marty's not the guy that can turn us down if we hit him up a million times because that's how he did it, man. Ten, ten times a day. Got it. Hey, you oh. know what's funny? You, you know what's funny? Uh, it's not funny. It's actually going to be pretty cool. Let's say the, the Lucha Underground Netflix deal happens. Let's say it does happen for some reason or another. And let's say Glow happens too. So that's going to be two shows that Marty Elias is involved with on Netflix in 2017. And somehow that? I have a sneaking feeling that when one goes off and is finished, there's going to be a little box down in the bottom right-hand corner that says, Hey, to watch the other one. I just you never, have this you never know. feeling. Just you, never know. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> hey, Hey, but real quick, before I go, guys, I want to thank my wife, Suzanne. Uh, for sticking with me forever and putting up with all my bullshit through the years and my daughter Shandy I love you very much you know and uh, you two mean the world to me and let's rock and roll Shandy with the coolest rock and roll name ever yeah. amen all right brother well it was a pleasure and hopefully we'll see you back on the show again soon and and hopefully we'll have lots of big things to talk about because the second half of season three as all of us know is the stuff of legend as i like to say on rape promos that turn up every now and then all right brother thank you again we'll talk to you soon thank you marty take care guys peace marty elias everybody that was uh that was one for the ages right there i feel 50 now i feel older and wiser like we earned we earned our big 5-0 today guys oh shit yeah 50 episodes Look, okay, so before we move too far away from Lucha Underground, I want to I want to talk about the spectrum thing, you know, and I don't want to get Marty all embroiled in that shit, but I kind of want to explain it to people since, you know, we talk about we know we understand TV and stuff. It's like here's the deal. Here's here's what happened. So for people in Los Angeles, it's a big damn deal that they couldn't even watch the old episode of Lucha Underground this week because uh, on what used to be Time Warner, your L Ray network, uh, lo and behold, if you turn it on this Wednesday, was no longer there. Um, and me and Justin are both going through this right now, so you guys know. I'm not. Now, I'm, I'm, for, I have, I have I'm fortunate. Yeah, I also have Sling, so I'm fortunate enough that I was still able to watch the episodes anyway. Um, <laughs> still able to get my L Ray fixed, though certainly more inconvenient because then I have to either put it on Google Chrome and throw it to my TV or I have to log in the apps and this and the other thing. And it's a little bit of a pain in the butt than rather just clicking on my time order or what is now spectrum. So just so people get an idea of why this happened, because a lot of people are baffled and people don't know if it's charter spectrums fault or if it's Univision, who is the, the kind of the parent behind uh, L Ray and distributes the network. Um, 
it's both <laughs> to be quite honest. So here's how it works. Um, Time Warner Cable and Bright House were merged or purchased by Charter. And now Charter overall, after it purchased Time Warner and Bright House has, and, and, and its original Charter stuff, has become Spectrum, which is what they're calling it, even though it's still basically Charter. And now they're the number two cable provider in America. When they took over, what they decided to do with certain networks, and uh, Fox, by the way, all of Fox has a huge issue with this as well. So Univision is not by themselves. Uh, Fox just hasn't felt the same immediacy that Univision did about their situation. They put lawsuits into place immediately with Charter because Charter, what Charter wanted to do was once they bought Time Warner, they wanted to use the lower prices that Time Warner had in their cable carriage areas as opposed to the prices that Charter had negotiated in their areas. So what happened is basically immediately Charter Spectrum started paying Univision less money. And I don't know if you guys know this or not, but TV companies aren't in the habit of making less money overnight. Usually it's like, hey, let's increase it a little bit here. Let's increase it a little bit here. Spectrum decided that they were going to try to say, no, 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 we're now, we now have Time Warner's deals. So we're going to spread that across all of the areas that we carry your network. We're going to pay that price for everywhere. But Time Warner was a bigger company. They had bigger markets like Los Angeles. So they were able to negotiate better deals. That's part of how free trade and capitalism works, people. You negotiate the best deal, supply and demand. When you have the power, you use it. Time Warner used that. Charter didn't have any part of that. Charter didn't negotiate those deals. They were paying a higher price because they needed Univision. They needed El Rey and they needed to pay a premium for it. So, you know, lo and behold, this situation comes around and Univision's like, hey, we're just going to yank our shit, dude. You can't not pay us. You can't not pay us what you told us you were going to pay us. And then Spectrum turns around and says, hey, you can't not let us air this stuff for what we already paid. Because one company is talking about one contract that's favorable to them. The other company is talking about the other contract that's favorable to them. And then who gets screwed? The average everyday Lucha Underground fan who's just trying to turn on the show on a Wednesday night and watch a rerun. That's all you're trying to do, right? And this isn't even a Lucha Underground thing. You know how many fucking movies I watch on El Rey? Where are my fucking Kung Fu movies, Spectrum? Hey, man, I'm missing the shit out of my sling. Well, yeah, so you get sling or whatever. So I, I mean, like I, I, I've had it with time order for years, man. It's like, you know, it's time for direct TV or something else or somebody who's actually got L Ray network and the channels that I like for a decent price because satellite only has it in standard definition, which things, but I'm not getting rid of sling either. So I still have my sling too. And, um, you know, it's an unfortunate situation and it also adds complication to the other stuff that's going on because then people think it feeds into the, well, well Lucha Underground's going to go away now for sure because El Rey's not going to have the money because they're getting canceled off in this and this and network. No, this will get worked we out. We just literally it, told them that the Netflix deal's fucking happening. Yes, yes. And to reiterate what I said earlier, Netflix deal happening, timeline, unsure because they have to get the show to... Netflix specs. Only one season was That's done in two languages. Only, you know, the second season, which was uh, only in English, 
They have to get the dubbing. They have to get the closed captions in there. They have to make it Netflix ready. That takes a little bit of time. So Netflix has very meticulous standards for their product as well. And so it'll happen, people. Had, and QC might bounce around it. You guys ever do an international version of a show that you've done before? Yes, yeah. so you have to. I actually got residuals your, from airplane repo recently from overseas. M and E tracks. Wait, you got residuals off of a show you worked yeah, on? Show I, I directed just get nightmares because, because I was a director on it overseas in Europe. Oh. They have to pay residuals to directors. It's amazing. Like I was like, wow, where'd this ninety bucks come from or whatever? Like it wasn't a lot of money, but it was still really cool. <laughs> When I, I just given to, uh, when I used to intern over at Sony, which which uh, you might have seen in the news because their movie arm just uh, lost a billion dollars in one fucking quarter. Good yeah. time. Yeah, they haven't they haven't done a lot of good stuff recently. Yeah, I like Ghostbusters. I know. Yeah, people are I don't, I don't think Pixels it, recouped for them. I just don't. I don't think those. No, they're big. Are. They're big movies. This quarter were Passengers, the rapiest fucking movie since Last House on the Left. And um, the Magnificent Seven remake, which blasphemy, fucking blasphemy. But I heard it's actually good. But anyway, uh, I used to intern on the international TV side. So I used to be the person that had to transcribe all the episodes so they could do all these fucking things. So you're basic. What you're saying is you're basically the guy that's making us wait for Netflix for Lucha Underground right now, Casey. It's basically people you. like me. I type 85 words a minute. They could oh, call shit. Yeah, I would hire you. Maybe they need to hire you to make I sure it gets on Netflix faster. Yeah, you know how many times I had to type Lamont, you big dummy. <laughs> You big dummy. It was all Sanford and son. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. If I was going to have to transcribe a show, that would be way up there. Um, it was bewitched in Sanford and son. And when I saw they had Sanford and son, I'm like, could I just do this all the time? And they're like, yeah, you can. Hey, hey, other Lucha Underground news. That was maybe not so great. Triple uh, A. They've kind of uh, kind of registered some names recently. <laughs> some names of some guys right. who just took those names. Some names. Can I rant a little bit? Yeah, please do can because I, I, I don't do even know what to say at this point. This is this shit is so confusing. It's like every time you think it's finally ironed out and things are kind of going smoothly, one side or the other <laughs> does something else where it's just like, oh god, as a fan, this is not good for me. No, not good for me. You know, it's, you know, it's really great, by the way, um, the fact that a bunch of people just bought a mask for a certain brand of a character. Well, what's, I want to hear what Casey yeah, yeah, let's hear what Casey has to say because because that might make the mask more valuable. Honestly, that's not necessarily a bad thing at all. That's a good. Yeah, I, I, like, that I love my octagon, 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 I love my octagon junior mask for that very reason. Okay, so, um, Pentagon leaves AAA. We all know about that, right? Okay. Well, Justin's leaving, so now this is going to be a rant about Justin. Hold on, Casey. I'm looking at your face. I want to ask you if you just lost a fight recently. Uh, I'm looking at your face and I'm wondering why you didn't shave your ass and learn to walk backwards, but I'm not even walking right now. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, so check this out, dude. Pentagon leaves AAA. What does AAA say in the fucking press conference that's supposed to be about their new pay-per-view, but ended up being all about Pentagon leaving? Oh, what do they it doesn't matter. Who gives a shit? We we wish him the best in life. We you know go go right ahead. Then they go and register his 
fucking new name as their trademark because they are bootleg fucking bootleg bush league just pieces of shit man like come on that is like that's like something that even tna would look at and say that's kind of a shitty move so yeah a little pissed because you know what they're trying to do what exactly what they did to phoenix which is make it so that pentagon can't work anywhere it makes me wonder why pentagon didn't just register the fucking trademark because they already did this shit to his brother but yeah you know well, what, maybe ha what happens so what happens when pentagon announces his name and then triple a if the paperwork goes through it's not confirmed yet or approved but if it goes through and they own the name what does that mean for him that means he can't use it i mean somebody else owns it now they could try to fucking cock block him in court they could try to go after people like mass republic selling the merch and it's like they already give mass republic enough fucking problems and it's like oh god like okay well, i mean look it's it's possession is nine tenths of the law the simple fact of the matter is they he could try to go register tomorrow maybe he gets it and they don't and i don't know mexican trade uh, trademark law at all like i can tell you how it works in the u.s but in mexico i god only knows but i can tell you this. what like here there's other protections too that you can fight it a lot easier like if you can show proof of use in a major media event like yeah. the crash or somewhere else or even just his tweets up here that stuff is totally admissible down in mexico i don't even think they're going to look at that they're just gonna be like oh yeah somebody filed this registration send it through and then the problem is afterwards since they filed it first they'll go through first and then he's got to fight it and it's not even that he couldn't win he very well may could win down there but what wrestler wants to go sit in court for four months or hire a bunch of lawyers you know over seven or eight letters uh, <laughs> in, a, in a certain order to try to prove who you are i mean that's not i can't imagine that's on pentagon's list of things he wants to do yeah. in 2017 is to sit in fucking court over some name he just made up last week like two make things. another one two things well, i got two, a rant guys, and i got a fucking guys. solution i've got the solution for this okay but first i got the rant okay it's what's the rant and what's the solution triple a is the one that did this when they're the ones that are constantly using music without rights, including stealing theme songs from WWE without permission. Thriller, oh. how many times do you hear Thriller and Welcome to the Jungle on a AAA show? Yeah, it's like, hey, AAA, maybe us Pentagon fans should talk to the Michael Jackson estate um, if you want to fuck with our favorite wrestler. But my other my other uh suggestion my solution while we're on slightly feminine um african-american singers that are no longer with us do the prince thing pentagon make his name the fucking shape i see but now that you've said that now they're going to go and start doing registrations on artwork too Fuck. but look, but at the same time and i and i'm not going to defend it but what is what are they supposed to do what are they supposed to do when a wrestler leaves i mean do you just like in in mexico fucking go dude wwe are the biggest dicks about legal shit in the world and they do not do shit like this yeah they but come on it's a different it's not. honestly look and it, it's not racist to say this mexico is a different culture like you're not going to get respect from the guys from the workers from anybody if you come soft 
when people are jerking you around like look, pentagon left his contract he did yeah i mean he really did so what do you do when when one of your guys ups and leaves and shows up someplace else and and rebrands himself but he's still kind of using a gimmick he was using with you do you let it go do you let him slide i mean if they let it slide isn't that just telling everybody they can do it and I'm, don't get me wrong i'm not happy that they're screwing the guy and i'm not defending triple a by any stretch of the imagination but at the same time I don't know what else you do in that market with that culture. Um, it's something like that. That's part of why you don't want to have to be in these situations. Like the, the down in Mexico with wrestling has been the wild, wild West for a long, long effing time. This is not new. And like up here, people are just now kind of getting exposed to it, but I'm sure Lucha blog and Rob Viper and all these other guys in, in mass Republic, I'm sure they can tell you that this, these kind of things are not new. <laughs> Like them, well, they're new. They're new to a lot of people because of Lucha Underground now that are hearing it up here, and they're like, "Oh crap! What if my favorite stars aren't back when Lucha Underground finally gets everything going again because of all this stuff with AAA?" And it's like, "Yeah, welcome to being a fan of Lucha Libre, guys. This shit's been yeah. happening for a long time, man. Your favorite wrestler, long time fan, dude. Just consider yourselves general. lucky they didn't put someone else under the fucking gimmick already, because that's the kind of shit AAA used to do." Yeah, time. like, yeah. am I going to be surprised if there's a brand new sexy star that shows up? They've already said that they were going to start looking around for another sexy star in yeah. Mexico and AAA. Like, maybe now, maybe the actual performer, you know, gets to do it up here. Maybe she's Michael still, sec- yeah, like, because I don't claim to understand all of the Lucha Underground contracts, but you know, but that's the other thing. Like, your boy Cuerno saying. Like, hey, everybody should have done what I did. You know, he had a, a, an unfortunate injury, but it helped him out in the regards that he was able to kind of do a newer contract. And he doesn't have one of the original Lucha contracts from what he's saying. He's got a newer contract and he seems happy with it to the point where he's looking at everyone else like, you guys should have done what I did. I'm good. I don't have to leave. Hey, you know, <laughs> I, have a question, I have a question about the Pentagon thing. Do you think that... These guys, when Pentagon or even when Phoenix leaves and they trademark the name, that's part of them trying to be, bring one of their employees back to the table. So they talk about the name. They start. No, no. I don't think they're trying to bring them back at all. I don't think they're that not that's what just they're registering to Pentagon. That's what we need to be a little more clear on because some of the listeners might not get it. They already registered that. They fucking registered Penta. El Cero M. Yeah, they fucking yeah. registered Ray Phoenix. Yeah. You know? Yeah, which is because also they don't funny because he wasn't the first person to they use also, Ray Phoenix. They also they registered them to use the gimmick at for, all. They don't want them to use any part of Del Rio. But I mean, they don't want them to use any part of the gimmick that was part of what they created for their show. They want these guys to, if they're going to leave, if they're going to break their contracts and go somewhere else, they want them to go somewhere else as a completely different character change your mask change your name change your whole persona don't do anything that you were doing under our roof that's what they're saying they're not saying we want to bring you back to the table they're not saying we want to patch things up they're not saying we want to work it out they're saying look guys we wanted you to stay here we wanted you to do this that and the other thing so you're not doing it we don't want you to do anything even close to it somewhere else i mean it's like look, look at when hulk hogan left you know, WWF and went to WCW. 
you think Vince wanted him doing anything close? You think he wanted him in yellow and red and, you know, saying Hulk stir? Like Hulk was creative and <laughs> found those other ways to skirt being exactly what he was in WWF. Just no, Hulk enough. off. He got to do it because he was paying Marvel. Well, who was it? He was paying someone Marvel. Marvel for the gimmick, not Vince McMahon because of Hulk. Yeah, but he had right, Hulk right. But his, but his designs and everything and, and yeah. the Hulkamania stuff and all that stuff had to go away. But so he did the next closest thing. Like there was no doubt about it. It was Hulk Hogan. And believe you me, there was no doubt about it. Vince wasn't happy, you know. Um, but, I have a question from the from the um, chat room real quick. His meatloaf is about to go to work. Oh, it's that time already. He's in England. What, third, what's the, third what's world the country. The question is: Can you please tell Justin Triple A can suck my dick? That's not a question. So yes, I will. Justin Triple A can suck meatloaf's dick. No, a question would be like: Can they do it? Like, can they physically do so it? I like, request. can they fly across Meatflow. the pond? Meatloaf had a request. Can they fit Meatloaf's enormous penis into their mouths? Is the question. Well, I look. I I don't know. I'm just it, putting the dude over. My question at this point is: AAA is what it is. I've accepted it for a long time, as anyone who watches AAA should. It's um, always been the goofy fucking company that does weird shit. And I like AAA. I have always liked AAA, but I've never counted on performers that I like, especially mid-card performers, to last a long time or break through to the top or to get treated the way that I want to see them get treated. Like, I've never expected that from AAA, and that doesn't change now. So where I become concerned is, well, crap, how does this affect Lucha Underground? And those answers don't exist yet, people. Don't, don't speculate. Don't say you know. Those answers don't exist. And I'm telling you that for a fact, those answers don't exist yet. We don't even know how half this stuff affects it, you know? And there's been several times when um, I, I wanted to figure out um, like how this was going to work in the future. These guys do have separate contracts, but you know, at this point, what if they don't want to, what if they don't want to live up to that contract? I, I don't know. Like, I can't tell you what Pentagon wants to do from here. Like, he wanted to do the, 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 the Rebellion. He wanted to do Penta El Zero Miedo. Does he own the Rebellion, or are we going to find out in a week that Dorian took He hasn't it? filed a trademark for that yet either, from what I know. I mean, ask, ask Lucha Blog. Ask, you know, Rob Viper. Ask uh, Fredo. Ask one of these guys that might know. Like, I mean, I feel for them, but we also, we hear for WWE and Lucha Underground and TNA TV shows with businesses, companies, you know, running the whole thing. We hear, oh, here are the recent trademark filings. Yeah. And we're like, yeah. I don't know what this is. I don't know what these names are for. And then it's like three months play. later, you see the person on TV with the name and the catchphrase that got trademarked. Well, and Triple H doing no Lucha guys we haven't seen. Who the fuck is uh, Susa Tomis or Piston Pa Jack? I mean, yeah, they're they're just like DJ creates something. He has an idea for something. They go and register it. Yeah. Triple A gets something over. A guy works that character and he leaves the company. Then they register it. You know what we need? You <laughs> this know is how the process. When, when the guys started uh, defecting the WCW and they got an agent who got them guaranteed contracts and you started getting wrestlers with agents, we need luchadors with agents or lawyers 
who handle that shit for them so they can go and do their job and go to the shows and be creative and come up with the characters and someone yeah, does the team. The only way to do that in Mexico is going to be in mass. Like it has to be several guys at once that people really care about or it's not going to work because all that's going to happen is a couple guys get agents, CMLL included. They're just not going to deal with those guys that have agents anymore. Yeah. And, and don't think it wasn't like that in America at one point in time. I mean, a lot of people fought really hard to, to get things accepted like unions and agents and stuff like that. And like you look at MMA right now, it's the same way. Guys aren't getting that and you see them defecting and going here and there and you got 50 people trying to start these agencies and whatnot. It's a hard road, man. Once, once you've mm -hmm. gone down a certain path and the promoters have the money and people's immediate paychecks and families and livelihoods are at stake, it becomes a different thing. And that's the other reason why, like, you know, as much as I'm going to comment on some of this stuff at the same time, dude, it does not matter what I think. It doesn't. This does not put food on my, my table. It doesn't take food off of it. You know, as much as I want to see Pentagon in Lucha Underground and to see that character thrive and survive, I think he's a great worker. I think he's really over. I think we're some of the people that helped him get over. So I want to see him stay over. But at the same time, at the end of the day, if it does not work out for him, I still eat food. <laughs> I still make my paychecks. It doesn't affect my life. His life and the other people around and like, you know, a character that big leaving, that could topple the whole thing. That could wreck the whole show. I mean, I've heard well, for me, if he leaves, I'm gone. I've said that very publicly. Yeah. But what if it's his fault? Doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, see, and, and that's, and that's my whole thing. It's like, so then, you know, what could happen is a, a whole product could topple because all these fans leave in mass, but I don't know that that will happen. Even with, see, I'm going to, I like new Underground. I'm going to keep watching it no matter who's on it. As long as I enjoy the show and of Pentagon, has to be somewhere else. I'll watch that too. Well, and that's, that's kind of my feeling at this point too. Like I'll follow him to whatever he does, but at the same time, I don't think I'm going to give up on Lucha because I think that they'll never replace him. In my eyes, they'll never find something that has that natural coolness that just came out of nowhere and just worked. They're not going to replace that specifically, but they have other guys that now that I'm hooked and now that I'm in, I'm never going to stop wanting to see AR Fox. I'm never going to want to stop no. seeing, you know, kill shot and thunder Rosa and all these other people. Like I'm not like mill. If mill's still around shit, I'll watch that dude do anything. I'll watch him throw people through walls at the same time. Like, you know, season two was already hard enough for me with like, man, Pentagon's not here as much as I want. Damn. Pentagon got beat up by the triad, which was awesome. But at the same time, I was like, I would like to see him squash maybe three or four people first just because I'm sadistic and most believers are like Casey wants to see Pentagon murder people by stabbing him in the eyes with pencils. I'm sure. Yeah, I would, I would pay to see that, but um, yeah, I mean, I, okay. Like realistically, how many people are going to stop watching for a character that barely gets featured on the show? Cause he's always written off. But he is super Salty. over. He no, is he super is. Over. He is. Salty. And this is... I know. Hey, it's my opinion that the guy should be being booked like Stone Cold and protected like Stone Cold. But I'm not the one writing the show. And everyone does things for the reasons that they do things. <laughs> Personally, if I was doing it, that's how I would do things. Because I like selling shirts. Well, a personal message from me 
to Pentagon, to Phoenix, to Daga, to Jack, to any of these guys. Like if there, and if there's any workers or any of those guys who are watching this, please tell those guys that we love and appreciate them as workers. We love them being part, of, especially of Lucha Underground. Mm-hmm. We're sorry to hear about their woes south of the border and in AAA, but we can't say that we're surprised. And at the same time, we hope that it all works out so that us, the fans, can find good, tangible ways to enjoy them. Um, you know, and I hope my preference is that it's Lucha Underground. As much as the crash might be awesome, um, I don't think it's enough, and I don't think it's going to be enough soon enough for my personal taste. Like maybe three, four years from now, it'll be there. Um, you know, but me hearing this stuff about, you know, them doing YouTube shows or whatnot, like if they can't get TV, like, okay. But if they get TV, can these performers be on that in North in, in America, in the United States? No, these guys are under Lucha Underground contracts. Right. You know, they might be able to walk away from their AAA stuff, but I can guarantee they're not going to get on air in the United States with some other promotion as long as they have contracts with MGM, Lucha Underground, Factory Made, El Rey Network, whoever the hell signs their damn contracts, you know, because people like to point out that I don't know what I'm talking about, whatever. Who the fuck cares? I'm here to tell you they're not going to get away with walking away from U.S. contracts. And I'm not saying that anyone's going to hold them hostage either, but at the same time, if they have a no compete for U.S. television, those shows will get blocked. Those shows will not make it on air, brother. That's simple. uh, Watch what happened with Hernandez if you don't think and knows what he's talking about. They had and stuff. They had a whole angle in the can that they got rid of, and the people, uh, what I, uh, Kenny King or whoever, like in the angle, it got trashed. He had nothing to do. He left TNA, didn't he? Shortly after, M- like, MVP just quit because they blamed him for MVP it. Quit. Yeah, like wouldn't TNA like you shot the stuff, pay off Lucha Underground and MGM, so you can air your product that you made. But you got to pay the money, and that's the whole thing. They have to do a cost-benefit analysis and analyze whether or not they actually earn the time on screen. If they make enough money with the time on screen for it to matter, or if you just shelve it all together. And they had to shelve a fucking stable angle where all the guys are ringside for all the other guys' matches. Hey, that was Triple A's already. Triple A's already editing their TV from from the Revolution leaving. I mean, that's the way it works. It goes to show that it wasn't worth salvaging a huge part of your show for Hernandez's contract with MGM and Lucha Underground. So why would anyone who knows what they're doing actually even try to break that contract to tape someone? That but they're not but again, and I don't want to speculate that anyone is. As far yeah. as we know, all these guys that have left AAA, they may still up, show up to Lucha Underground because they're contractually obligated to and they want to and that everything up here will be absolutely fine. Dorian might not mess with them. The the Lucha Libre FMV LLC, since people don't like me referring to it as Dorian, I'll say the whole name. Um, maybe they don't care. Maybe, hey, we're making money up here. You screwed us down there. You make money for us up here. You're a jerk to us down there and up here, whatever. We don't care. Make us money. I don't know. We, these are the things that we don't know. We do not know if Lucha yeah. Libre, FMV, LLC will stop these guys from performing in Lucha Underground. I don't the believe that anyone knows say, the answer to that yet. The reason we say Dorian is because he is the GM. Right. That's oh, all. Libre. Whatever. 
I'll say yeah. it however the fuck people want me to say it so I can be very specific and clear about what I'm saying. I right. don't think anybody knows how it's going to play out up here yet. I hope the best for the talent. I hope the best for the creative that they have access to the people that they want to use for angles that are already in motion that clearly from anyone who's been there, no needs to play out. And I want to see those angles play out in a way that they're not just written off in the off season. So hopefully everybody can work something out for at least a couple of years where everything is honky dory on this end to make a great product up here, regardless of the fact that they have other business dealings together and shit got ugly. The simple fact of the matter is at the end of the day, business isn't personal. You might take yeah. it personal. You might do something personal because business didn't go your way, but I hope everyone understands the bottom line is the bottom line. A happy fan up here and a good product up here is going to turn heads and make big things happen for everyone involved, even if they can't agree on how things should be in Mexico. As long so, as we can watch it. Yeah, well, as long as we can watch it. And right now I'm doing that on Sling, so I'm still watching it. Yeah. Um, you, I know, talk you know what I can watch, Justin? I can watch Face Off. I'm getting there, but I got to talk Royal Rumble real quick first. Hey, Casey, look at Kevin Cross's latest Instagram picture, by the way. Ooh, is it a good one? Is he murdering somebody? Well, is he, is he New Jack stabbing somebody in the middle of a match? <laughs> it's close. Dude, the, the man's a murderer. The man is, 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 I mean, in his new 86ers gimmick thing that's going on in, in FSW. I don't know if you guys have seen any of that, but dude, dude someone's in a I hospital. got a hot tip on some fucking ecto cooler. How about that? Oh um, shit! Cares. Look, watch, watch out for Cross because Cross has gotten to the point where he got screwed out of his title, so he doesn't care about that anymore, and now he just wants to murder fools' faces. Like that's not gave good him nice for anybody. Tip. I gave him a nice tip, and one of his victims was, was complaining on Twitter. I told him. Kevin, next time break his fucking fingers and he can't he can't you know type in Wait, little complaints. At least the thumbs. Slow him down. Break his thumbs. Um so Royal Rumble. Um yeah. <laughs> women, I, I'm gonna start with the women's match. I had no problem with it. It wasn't spectacular, it wasn't supposed to be. I, I liked the build for it. I thought Charlotte was great, I liked Bailey. I think there was one or two little botches in it, nothing major, nothing that bugged me. I liked it. No, no Sasha Banks spots. No, but like Sasha's not. Sasha's exciting. I think Sasha's more exciting than Bailey at a lot of times. But I thought yeah. that that match was exactly what it needed to be to put a little cooling off period on the Sasha Charlotte thing, and then kind of ramp back up to something new for the women's division. I loved it, um, and and I like them bringing Mickey James in on the SmackDown side and all that. I think the women's division is getting there slowly. Yeah. They still need some more talent in there. Um, but I'm not mad at it. That's, that's to me, that's standard everyday wrestling practice and it's good practice, good business. They're doing the right thing there. Um, KO versus reigns. Don't know if you guys watch this, but it's a really weird thing. The crowd was hot for that match. I mean, if you go back and listen to it, like I had it on in the background for a few minutes today and I was like, damn, that crowd is fucking hot that crowd is loud as hell this match is cooking like ko's setting up these chairs jericho's up in the shark tank and blah 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 shark cage and yelling and then jericho drops the brass knuckles mm -hmm. and then the brass knuckles get used but the knockout 
gets no salt. And that was the entire purpose of Jericho being in the cage. And then all of a sudden the crowd starts to get a little quieter, just a little quieter. And then, you know, the chair spot happened after that, you know, you know, Kevin bowling ball in it. You said it, you get it. That's how it works. That's what he did. And yeah. he took it like a man. Cause that was a nasty pyramid of God only knows why you would do that. Um, so what about the uh, stunner? The, the easy kick out of the stunner. Like, what the... F- Ugh! Ugh! The stunner and the, and the brass knuckles really upset me about that match. Well, also, oh, that's what really upset you? How about the finish, Byron? How about the freaking finish? You I want don't. a cool crowd? You want a cool crowd? Let's have a pretty good match where there's a few unexplainable uh, bumps oh, yeah. and recoveries and then get to a finish with a run-in at a major pay-per-view even if you're trying to set up angles, come on. But yeah, it was like that Braun wasn't directly involved in any of the story going on. He just came out and no, cause they're setting new yeah. story because, because uh, here's well, it Vince, is now. Vince rolled out of bed and Vince said, what are we doing? What are we doing? Oh no, we're doing this now. <laughs> come on. You know, that's what happened. Vince was like, look, Oh, that yeah. big dude, let's push the hell out of him. What are we doing guys? Come on. Let's push this it big was- guy. All in all, though, I mean... The yeah, Braun's great. I like Braun, by the way. I don't want to disparage yeah. Braun. He's great, but the two performers, Roman Reigns, Kevin Owens, you put them in a real match, and even in this match, they're going to beat the hell out of each other, and they're going to do a good job with regards to just putting on a good match. Yeah, and I can't but, stand Reigns, and it was actually a good match. He does all right in the ring when he when someone else will go like, hard on him. Well, and look, and I thought I thought he was actually leading a lot of it. I don't even think KO was leading the whole thing. I think I think Roman was yeah. in there. He was working for real, legit. It wasn't bad. But the WWE typical booking of uh, uh, the aspects ruling the match, where you have Roman's invincible. Yes, and then you have they're not going to deliver uh, actual finish to the match. And I, I loved the stuff with the announce tables too. I, I thought there was a lot of good stuff in the match. And then the, and the finish was just like, I get it. It works. It's decent for what they're trying to set up, but on the moment, on the day for your second yeah. or third biggest pay-per-view of the year, bang, just well, to the end, like the rest of the match, kudos to the guys. Good work, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, they did I, the shark tank gimmick though. in NXT for a tag match, like a couple, like a month ago. Yeah, well. exact just, same thing. A guy drops the weapon from the cage. The shark take was silly. It was nonsensical. So, um, what? Then the uh, Byron, take over for a sec. I'll be right back. Okay. Uh, all right. Order the matches. I know um, the Rumble sucked, except for Dillinger coming out. That was awesome. Um, and Casey left too. Great. Uh, I think the big thing from the Rumble is um, AJ and Styles comparing that to Okada Omega for some reason. I mean, I, as, as far as I'm concerned, that's really the only big thing that there is to talk about is that people are, are trying to compare AJ and Cena AJ and Cena versus uh, Omega and um, Okada. Well, how can you even do that? Like, don't don't give me wrong. AJ Cena was good. 
It was it good. It was good. But it was not but six stars. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It's a good match. And you know what? Cena is a very, very good worker. AJ is the best worker in the company. And I love great. the moment. And I, I, I mean, I was a little surprised they didn't make a little more out of it being his 16th win. And doesn't that tie Flair? Casey, you, you'll know. That ties Flair, right? They, they, were, they were teasing that in like the prior matches with AJ. Casey's okay, it ties, it ties Flair and their fake-ass number that they came up with that isn't the real number. Like, anyone with Wikipedia can fucking look it up and see that they're wrong. But, yeah. Uh, okay. Well, and they're, they're wrong why? Because they had more NWA title runs that Vince isn't acknowledging? Yeah, there's a bunch. Because, like, there were times where he would have to go to a territory and then, like, drop the title and then win it back. Before he because left he wasn't supposed to lose it, just so like people wouldn't stab him in Puerto Rico. Gotcha. You know, but yeah. also you do two shows in a town, you get them. You know. Yeah, but you would but, have yeah. to get those approved usually. But like WWE counts some of those, and it doesn't count some of the other ones. So it's like, why aren't you counting everything? And what's his real and total? Like twenty-one like, or something? I remember he was twenty-something in WCW, wasn't he? That's what they said. But, okay, but so maybe that's also why they didn't want to disparage the the Ric Flair total on the broadcast too much. Maybe that's why they didn't make more of an angle out of the fact that Cena tied it, which is smart on their part. Like, let's not make a big deal out of it because, yes, in our record books, it is up there. But at the same time, let's not throw one of the greatest ever under the bus just because we finally yeah. got into this number with this guy that we need to have the belt right now. Let's not get John Stewart fucking involved again either. How about that? So, well, I, I approve of it. Look, John I like Stewart broke Seth's Seth's knee. It was huh. John Stewart. It was an inside job. Speaking of Seth getting broken, let's uh the the actual Rumble match itself. Um, I got to tell you, I was into the whole thing. I'm not even going to comment on a ton of it. I don't need to. You, you most of you saw it. Like, don't need to rehash the whole thing. But um, I, I mean, and I and look. I liked what they've been doing with Goldberg. I know a lot of other people don't. I liked him yeah. squashing Brock at the last thing. I liked him throwing him out quick here. I see where it's going. Even if Brock doesn't go over at the end of this whole thing, I don't have a problem with it at all. That's interesting. That's it was a it was a big man rumble. They told that story and they established Braun. Which was great too. They had a lot of big men to put in at the beginning and a lot at the end too. It was awesome. But how about Big Show's uh, elimination? Which was sad. You mean the one where he fell three inches to touch the floor and almost blew his knee out? In slow motion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't slow motion. That was full speed, and it looked. And he was just like, "This is the low. I did, this is the low point of my career right now." Well, this I have to ask Casey. Um, your boy Taker looked a little blown up too. What's up? Is that it? Oh is God. he done soon? Is this the last WrestleMania for Taker? Watch that shit. You know what I watched instead of the Royal Rumble? I watched the 80s classic slasher movie, The Prowler. And it was fucking great. Available on Shudder. It's where they discover Joseph Zito, the director of the great Friday the 13th Part 4, the final chapter. It has a head explosion in it that rivals Scanners. And Watch your mouth now. Watch it. Come on. The Scanners head explosion is the stuff of legend. This one's pretty dope. It's with a gun, and it's fucking sweet. 
and uh the dude looks cool the slasher because he's a world war ii veteran so he's wearing like an army suit when he kills people somehow he gets a pitchfork in a bathroom and stabs someone with it it's fucking great there's a bayonet kill that's kind of like kevin bacon's death and friday the 13th but like through the whole head it's fucking great but down like from the top <laughs> of the head down and through the neck it's fucking amazing i can't that's recommend awesome. it enough Casey, I have a hot take on Taker in the Rumble that I think you want to listen to. Sure. Uh, I don't personally, Taker's always been um, in uh, camera shape, looking good for his returns. I don't, I think stuff fell through. They didn't give him enough time to get in shape to come on to make TV for this. I mean, he had to uh, have known he was coming to the Rumble, though. I don't think that was any secret to anybody. I just really think he would. He's usually in better shape. I, I just have to think that. But he's usually he not was, another year older. Like maybe yeah, this is just the year that did it. He's so blown up. He would have broke the fucking streak. Is what he should have done. God, he got he got blown up watching guys jump into his choke slams. He couldn't even pick someone up to tombstone them. Okay, so so he's got a couple months before Mania. Can he get it together before Mania? Absolutely. He's a professional. All right. Casey, you're going to watch Mania to see if Taker can... Uh, no? Yes? <laughs> Fuck no. I'll probably be reading some more Power Man and Iron Fist. Casey, Good choice, by the way. Casey, you don't want to watch Taker job to Roman Reigns at WrestleMania? Dude, you know what? I don't even want to watch the Iron Fist TV show because he fucking looks like you, Byron. Oh, come on. That Iron Fist TV show is going to be good. All right. Number 30, Byron. Byron, number 30. Number 30. What do you do with number 30? What you do is... Rey Mysterio. You turn all the crowd mics off. (laughs) And then you go on Twitter and see people post just enormous boos, live reaction videos to number 30 walking down to the ring. And he can... Look, he could be in the match. I don't have a problem with him being in a match. But number 30... Dude... is bad. Can we yeah. talk about Twitter? I, I there, was, you though. No, there were so many people we wanted in the Rumble. We wanted a surprise. Okay. I, it was super easy. Like, look, Kenny Omega's not going to show up. The, the big surprise, the good surprise isn't going to happen. No. Why is it not Samoa Joe? You can put Samoa Joe in there, have yes. everyone gang up on him and eliminate him, but still get the pop of the surprise. And then the angle the next night on Raw can still be exactly uh, the same. Oh, you want to see great. Samoan, pal? Ah, uh, you got the wrong Samoan. I got a Samoan pal. No, um, the I just gotta say that I I noticed a little thing on Twitter. Like I fucking hate Dolph Ziggler, like yeah. with a passion. Right? It's Mega Death, you fucking poser. I might say that you know just once gets the point across, right? Roman Reigns non fans talk about Roman Reigns more than Roman Reigns fans. It's fucking annoying. It's well, like that's part of why they still think that he's over. And it was the same thing with John Cena. People who didn't like Cena talked about him more than people that fucking loved Cena. And it's like, all right. Well, I went look. through a love hate thing with him, but I will say I appreciate him at this point. Like the gimmick doesn't bother me at this point. And, and him being a part timer helps. It's like I would sit on Sexy Star, but only when she's winning belts and beating Pentagon. Like, I, you know, I fucking don't just make it my daily routine. Well, look, Cena and Reigns have been winning belts. <laughs> yeah, but I'm all I'm saying is like the Roman Reigns non-fan is like Byron talking about Donald Trump, but with Roman Reigns instead. 
I got you. I don't know what I you're got talking you. about. I completely Guys, know what he's talking did you hear about. about. Did you hear about the Bowling, Bowling Green Massacre, by the way? What is Since, that? Uh, it was a it was a travesty, and it's the reason why we're doing what we're doing today. Talking about wrestling? I agree. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. um, Raw and SmackDown were, were relatively the follow-ups that we thought they would be, other than the Samoa Joe finally debuts. And uh, puts puts Seth Rollins out for a couple of three days. What yeah, can I say? Can I say that I was, I was watching that- um, the Rumble on the East Coast time, and it was late, and I literally fell asleep when Roman was walking to the ring. I was like, "Oh, this is." 30. I'm literally falling asleep when we're talking about this now. I'm reading Power Man and Iron Fist, and then I watched. I tried watching Raw, and I literally fell asleep moments before the segment. That Samoa Joe uh, came out to, and I think I'm just I, I put to sleep by Samoans unconscious. <laughs> I don't know unintentionally. I love Samoa Joe. I watched his segment. It was cool, dude. Whatever. And, the Rock would not put you to sleep. Fuck you. And for the record, I don't have a problem with Orton winning. I don't know exactly what they're setting up, but I but that's good. You know what they're I, setting up? I, mean, I, I fucking hate Randy sued for a concussion. They're getting up we're, Casey, we're not doing comic books yet. That's the next segment. They're setting up Orton getting to do a cool angle with the Wyatts. So he gets to do something interesting. He gets to be happy and sort of heal. And they have him win the Rumble because Brock went above and beyond elbowing his head. Yeah. Which is good. I, and, and again, I don't have any problem with this. I don't know. I don't like how they necessarily got to that ending, but Orton winning oh. at the end, I'm fine with. I'm okay with Maybe it. Orton Wyatt at Mania. But it was, yeah. but how they, they, how they faced off and how Bray Wyatt literally ran over the top rope from across the ring. That was lame. Yeah. yeah remember how it used to be like the scary guy? Like they, they really fucked up Bray Wyatt like a lot. He's gay. He's he's doing he's, a little bit better. He's but. teetering right now. It's it's getting there. All right, so I'll leave that all alone. Casey, can I, can I do NXT real quick? Yeah, no. I took. No- there was a takeover before we leave <laughs> wrestling. All right, this but is, you got to hurry up because I desquitely need just, to talk about this face-off episode because it was fucking tired, Okay, that's good. Up. So, uh, uh, so the opening match was. This Dillinger is what happens when you turn Young. fifty. People, you turn fifty, and then everything just starts to go. Your knees start to go. Your your ability to stay up late starts to go. It's all going downhill, guys. We turn fifty. Okay, so face off. Yeah, it was great. He, yeah. So um, I like himself off so me. It's funny right now. So uh, I like the Dillinger match. The thing about him in NXT is we want him to win the big one. And he had a match against no, Eric Young, and, and it put over the match put over Sanity. It was okay. I liked it a lot. But Look, he's just he's just lucky he got his his ten. Yeah, the next day in the Rumble. But that's the that's the big news. And yeah, no, I'm glad he's on the roster. I liked a lot. I've been liking his matches and his gimmick work, and I'm rooting for him. But the thing is, the next match was CN and. Um, and oh, CN and Roddy, Roddy Strong, who is super vanilla to me. But in this match, I saw, I got to see him uh, really turn it up. And this match really blew away Dillinger and, and Eric Young. This felt like an NXT championship match. 
Um, I thought it was really good. I enjoyed the backbreaker type offense of Roddy Strong, and I really enjoyed that CN is really organically getting into his unmasked heel character, and he's bringing a little bit of um, La Sombra into it. I'm happy. CN jobbed. That sucked. Also, Roddy does mostly variations of backbreakers. He did a real cool one where he dropped. You guys left. Okay, well, he dropped um, CN onto the turnbuckle for a backbreaker. That was really cool. Um, but, but yeah, it was cool. His movesets are backbreakers, and his finish is a kick to the face. That doesn't make sense. Uh, DIY... Uh, that match was what it was. It was good, and the big guys won, and the little guys probably are going to, I don't know, go up to the main roster. Good women's match. I'm very excited about Nikki Cross. I think they're putting her in a position where she can compete one-on-one with Asuka, who's untouchable, which I really like. And then Peyton and Billy, um, they're working on their characters really well. They were effective, but they're also... They're also kind of blatantly, you know, Emma and Dana again. Wait, that was jamming. What was that? What was that? Like the other mean girls, uh, that, um, (laughs) that, you know, Sasha and them all were doing. And the main event was great. Shinsuke was losing. So he went all out and kicked the shit out of Bobby Roode. And they did a really good, um, ending where Shinsuke had the escape. Uh, uh, he had sort of, you know, the out. He hurt his knee. His offense are his knees, so he couldn't quite finish. But Bobby Roode still, Bobby Roode still won clean, though. Yes, like he Look, didn't. Like, can I get to the moral the knee, of the story was, now? I'm ecstatic. Come up and fight. I'm ecstatic that they put the gold on Bobby Roode. I love Bobby Roode. I love the gimmick. I love what he's been doing. I liked his work in TNA. I like Bobby Roode. I like everything about what they're doing with him. Um, And he feels bigger than NXT. He's not, but he feels bigger than NXT, and that's what they need. Just like Shinsuke feels bigger than NXT, they need two more guys in there that feel bigger than NXT. Asuka's close, but not quite. Um. And then NXT is skyrocketing again after they called up the the masses of people that felt bigger than NXT when they were there. So they need a couple more, but Bobby Roode, perfect choice. Shinsuke needed to have some vulnerability. Love it. All right. You got anything else there now, Urban? What's up? I'm here. Hold on a second. I got something right. for you guys. Is it a celebrate birthday present? Our, well, yeah. It's celebrate your 50th episode and our return to the stream. <laughs> I'm dying. <laughs> You've been dying for years, man. That's nothing new. Tell me something new. We all something new. Day, Justin. <laughs> Just wait till you see the stream and you get to you, and you realize. God damn it! I can't. Yeah, do it I didn't get either. to see the, the heels show tonight. The light. The heels went on at the same time that we did today, which is a rare. We don't normally cannibalize each other. Um, so if you're hearing this right now and you've watched us and not the heels, go back and watch the heels. If you're listening to them right now, fuck you. You should have listened to us first. And if you, uh, there you go. if That's you want to learn more about cannibals, listen to the song transvestites can be cannibals too by Harley Poe. Thank and you. And that, and that, uh, bad diarrhea fucking shit. 
He was Dude, just, just playing that. It. When Byron was talking about NXT, none of us <laughs> wanted to hear it. <laughs> I forgot to mention it. It was really especially bad. So are we toasting? Uh, yes, this is for you guys. Cheers. Happy fifth happy fiftieth. You guys oh. notice it's like really hard to look manly drinking a straw. That's why I bring a polka dot flask. If you will, he's got a bicycle. He's got a bicycle, if you will. There you go, guys. That's for y'all. Thank you. Thank you, By the way, the Hills did it first. Urban, if we want to, if we want to, Urban. Urban is if we yes. want to watch the heels or listen to the heels. If we want the heels this week, do we need to do the stream or can we podcast it? No, we are uh, abandoning Podomatic. Podomatic can suck my dick. They're overpriced fucking subscription fees for little bandwidth and little storage. So Not is a YouTube good deal gonna for the be heels. the place? Where's the primary place to find you guys now? YouTube, YouTube, because it's free, baby. It's free <laughs> for now. I hear that. I mean, we're still on many sources. People are always like, "Well, how come you don't have more hits on this and this and this?" It's like, dude, because we're on iTunes and SoundCloud and YouTube and Blueberry or whatever yeah. the fuck. Like, and people need to worry about their own fucking hits if they're asking you that, Justin. No, I don't care. Yeah. I don't answer. Um, we it's too much so the people heels, can get it. The heels are simplifying. Uh, cheaper, fucking more powerful. We're getting better, baby. You'll see it in the fucking stream. Anyway, the uh, yeah, we're getting off the Potomatic because of money. And then YouTube because it's free. I know what it's like to deal with all that Stitcher and all that bullshit and putting your shit out there. We were going to do SoundCloud, but I'm like, why the fuck would I even edit anything anymore? <laughs> Why would I edit anything anymore? I, we I don't gotta, care. I always obviously. like you guys unedited better anyway, but that's a, that's your call. If you if you don't mind leaving in the botches, <laughs> fuck the botches. They're there for a reason. That's what I always <laughs> said. I love them. <laughs> that's the best part. Exactly. So yeah, we're we're going YouTube, man, and we're going hard. Um, can I uh, can I answer someone? Thank you. Uh, Austin Honaker, our Ray Mysterio, Pentagon Phoenix, Sexy Star, and Jack Evans still going to be LU season four. I hope Sexy Star isn't. There's your answer, Austin. Thank you for listening. Uh, okay, God. I'm gonna I'm gonna answer Damn this you. question seriously. Uh, read me the list again. Let's do them one by one. Uh, Phoenix, Pentagon, Sexy. Wait, Star, no, no, let's do them one by one. Phoenix, yes. Pentagon, maybe. Ray Mysterio. Mmm. Uncertain. The, the the magic eight ball says this is unclear. The guy who's uh publicly saying that his LU contract is up, by the way. Yeah. Um which also Prince Puma did. Um, but oh uh sexy star. Yes. Uh so Casey's dismay. Yes. Uh, Jack Evans. Mm, yes. Steve Blackman, the lethal weapon. Yeah, no, but he, but he'll come on the podcast if Steve Casey Blackman is confirmed. Steve, he's there. He's there. <laughs> Steve Blackman's in every match. You just haven't seen him. He moves too. So hard. and and here's the, and here's the and here's the reason why. Like a couple of weeks ago, I would have said you'll probably see all these guys. Um, 
But I have this sneaking feeling that the way things are going down right now, some of this is going to end up on a case-by-case basis. Like, I just don't know that you can answer all these questions. Um, I, I believe, you know, the, the simple fact of the matter is you, you're hearing guys like Cuerno and some of these other guys talk about it. Um, different guys have different contracts with Lucha Underground. I'm not even just talking about the the triple a contracts or whatever but with lucha underground they have different contracts there's different ones out there um some guys were able to negotiate other things like cuerno who says he's happy because he did a separate thing after he got injured and came back and did a new thing he doesn't have one of those original contracts um so it seems to me like they do have existing lucha contracts these people all can come back they all have offers to come back or existing contracts to come back but uh, that doesn't mean those things will stay in play. Uh, nobody really knows after what's going on with Pentagon and AAA recently. Um, you know, we saw Phoenix still do promotion and things for Lucha Underground since he left his contract with AAA. So I believe that everything has worked out with him. I mean, Byron and I saw him sit right next to Dorian on a panel for mm-hmm. the Bailey Center which believe you me, if, if he wasn't going to be back and if they didn't want to put the guy over, he would not have been there. They would not have he been was, giving him major media exposure. And Dorian put him over that day, by the yeah. way. The shit Austin, went down Dorian. Austin, answer to your next question is it's still going to be on both. Don't worry about it. We go into it in depth earlier in the episode. Go back, listen to it. Listen to Marty's interview too. That shit was dope. That was like the best interview we've ever done. So as soon as we finish the episode, you'll probably be able to go back and listen from the beginning, I think. Yeah, it takes it takes 10 or 15 minutes to buffer, but then you can go back and watch it. I'll archive it up immediately for you. Um, what was why? What was his other question? If it's going to be on El Rey or just Netflix and it's going to be on both. No, 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 no. It'll be it'll be both. Um, the way I understand what is most likely and I'm not going to report it as fact, but what I'm going to say is most likely the Netflix deal is there's a a window that they'll have where new episodes are not airing, where they can run season one and season two on Netflix um, before the hiatus comes back. Um, They'll have a nice window there. It'll lead in for Netflix to the debut of glow and some other stuff that they have. So now that they have a couple wrestling relating related products and a couple documentaries, because they like to tag these things where it's, you can watch this, you can watch that. Um, it will be, I, I believe, North America. I don't know about Mexico, but it looks like Canada and the U.S. for sure for now. Um, and the date is not specified. I have that from a reliable source. It is not necessarily February 15th. The people who are in the know that would know the answer to this question, it is not going to air or not going to be dumped in there because they have to do technical things with the actual show to make it ready for Netflix, like subtitling and captions and, and um, you know, other languages. Cause the first season was in English and Spanish, but the second season wasn't um, there's just technical stuff that they have to deal with to make the show be ready. And two weeks from now is not realistic in a lot of ways. Um, so the people who are lazy, would be amazed to see it happen. Um, so if you're hearing reports out there that are saying February 15th, the, the, that is not a confirmed date by anyone who is actually responsible for distributing this product. That's the answer. Yeah, I'll say it again. Austin, we haven't seen you in the chat before, dude. Hope you like the show. 
but yeah, go back and listen because we do a whole hour on this. Well, no, not really like an hour. We do like twenty minutes on it or something. But yeah, we and, really go. Yeah. And it's interesting and to hear Marty's Marty's thoughts on it too because they're very in line with a lot of what we've been saying for a few weeks. Um, but yeah, so I think I think really the answer is like a few weeks ago I stated very 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 emphatically that I believe that most of your favorite Lucha talents would be back for season four. And I am going to backpedal. I'm not afraid to admit that I might've been partially wrong um, with recent developments that I do not know if that is in fact the case anymore. Um, I have reason to believe that not everybody knows the answer. So I won't say that something is an answer if I don't know it to be the case. I think these are case-by-case situations. I think they're being looked at very carefully. I think everyone is looking into making sure that Lucha Underground can present the best possible product that they can, but I don't know. I mean, these are these are contracts. These are people's livelihoods. They're their jobs. Like, this is serious shit, and I'm not going to sit here and, and disparage anybody involved in that process um, because it's their livelihood. People have things to stand to gain things and lose things like Pentagon is super over in the States. Lucha underground has been a big part of it. Um, I don't want to see him lose that opportunity, but I don't, I can't tell you that whatever happened with him down in Mexico and triple a and, and you know, if that affects his standing with Lucha Libre FMV LLC and the company that Dorian is a GM of, and if Dorian's going to take that to Lucha underground and have a good case for, Pentagon breaking his contract down there and it being a problem up here. I don't know. Nobody does. And anybody who's telling you that they do know the answer to that is just wrong right now. You know, Pentagon made his move. Um, the, the AAA guys made their move trying to trademark his new name. Clearly there's friction. Clearly these people are not happy with each other. What else is anyone going to say about it? I mean, there, there's nobody other than those people in those parties. And then at the end of the day, you have to have, you know, the 12 executive producers on Lucha Underground and MGM and Factory Made and El Rey Network. Those guys have to look at it and see what they think about these situations and what they want to do, you know. So I'm sure that Dorian, as the GM of the LLC, will you know, say what he thinks should happen. I'm sure Eric Van Wagnen as, you know, the main production person of the TV show will say what he thinks should happen. I'm sure DJ will fight for whatever storyline he thinks is the best storyline. I'm sure Skip will come in and say his piece on behalf of, you know, El Ray and him being an executive producer. Like everyone's going to have a say. A lot of people are going to speak up and these guys are going to duke it out and they're going to do what they think is going to work best for the show work best for their end of it. You know, um, what's going to work best for the intellectual properties, what's going to work best for the merchandise, what's going to work best for the TV product, what's going to work best for marketing. There's a lot of people who get to have a say so. So anybody who thinks they know how this is going to go down at the end of the day, right now, today, this second, they don't know. Period. I know. Sorry. I know. I fucking know. What do you know, Urban? I know. I know it's going down. It's confirmed. Hey, Urban, do you watch Face Off? Yeah, mm-hmm. we're contractually obligated because me and Casey high-fived over a beer on it, um, except it wasn't over a beer. We're going to talk about Face Off because this show is freaking awesome. What's it on? What's it on? Sci-fi. 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 Uh, is that on uh, the YouTubes? Uh, no. No, I, I watch it on Sci-Fi On Demand. 
Yeah, oh, you can well. watch it on sci-fi.com too. Okay, some so he, uh, send a link to me. I'll watch it. Here's here's why you should like this show, especially this week. The challenge this week was to create makeup. Like these guys are do do costumes and and art and special effects and whatnot, like makeup. And the contest this week was to create an angel and a demon costume, except. You had to combine them and you had to use kind of your own traits to show the inner angel and demon on sitting on your shoulders and kind of blend the whole thing together, um, which was a great idea. Whoever wrote this challenge, I give them the big high five because this is making some fools that know how to do some stuff because these people are all pros making some pros have to stretch and put something together on three days in three days. So, um, as Casey knows, and anybody who watches the show knows, Ben and Evan were skating on thin ice coming into this week. And uh, Sci-Fi even acknowledged our tweets about that. Like, these, <laughs> these dudes got their work cut out for them. Um, did you think Ben and Evan were going to chunk it this week, Case? Fuck. Once I started seeing them sculpt, I didn't. Because, like, that demon face was looking dope, like, right away. Yeah, but they had a, they had a dope mask last week, too. Yeah, yeah. And the rest That's just... True fell flat it was bad this was a great redemption story for them i feel bad for the girls that were bottom looks with them last week and this week oh stella and jasmine yeah and uh justin you don't you don't know this because you haven't watched as many seasons they don't usually do three top looks they do two usually so i think they wanted to do three just to highlight how far ben and evan came well, I mean, and to really make them safe was like, you know, no, last week was an anomaly for those guys and wasn't necessarily an anomaly for them this week. Um, you know what I thought? What I, I, I love that they showed the creation process of Sig doing the stained glass thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad it got some time in the middle of the show because I thought it was awesome and it didn't really get a lot of time at the end of the show. No, and it's cool. He's probably my favorite person to see explain things because he always does it very clearly and talks about why he's doing what he's doing when a lot of the other people, when they interview him, just say what they're doing. And uh, I think that it just makes it a lot more interesting when they come to him for stuff like that. Okay. So I got to ask about Logan and Dan, their design phase though. I'm like, this is sweet. Like I was digging the whole chest burster thing and the whatever, like wasn't the concept there. That was dope. Right. Yeah, but then the way they painted it, just, ah, uh, I don't Where know. Where did it fail? Where did it go wrong? I was trying to figure that out the whole time because it was like from the get-go, I was like, oh, these guys got it nailed. They're fine. You know what I think it was is when it was in the concept, I thought it was the demon ripping out of the angel. It's supposed to be the angel ripping out of the demon. Doesn't is that work. what was going on? Yeah. Well, that failed it, because the guy with the wig and everything, he looked like like Nicholas Cage was trying to be an angel with a bad hairpiece or something. Yeah. Yeah. And we know Nicholas Cage wears bad hair pieces sometimes like in ghost Rider. but yeah. uh, dude, I do got to say that our winning team, uh, Kat and Nico were fucking hilarious throughout this episode. Yeah. Like dude, did Kat, did Kat ask for a flat out, marriage thing to happen at the beginning of the show she's like oh i thought he was trying to surprise me with a marriage 
because the challenge was revealed in a church and she's like missed opportunity and there was genuine uncomfortableness like it it made me uncomfortable i was like dang this is why you don't go on national television with your lady <laughs> she will put you on blast when they had to do their um their their bad trait it was jealousy and i'm like oh shit you know and, uh, I don't know. Like Nico's hair might be in place, but you might need to go home and have some conversations, man. <laughs> that, that guy's hair game's on point, man. Holy shit. And to the point where the judges even made like a, a Neville was making fun of a man who shaves his head was commenting on how great his Dude, hair was. Their sculpture had more movement than his hair. I don't know how he does that. Yeah. Um, oh, dude, that that looked great, though. They had this whole kind of like veiny thing. What was the veiny. third? What was the third top look, though? Uh, I, it, oh, shit. I can't remember. Was it? it wasn't Sig and George. Was it Tyler it was, and Emily? Tyler it was and, Tyler and Emily where they had the thing that was based on the architecture with the rust. Yeah, which which I thought was really mediocre at first. And then when they did close looks, it was it was dope. It was like it was rusting away. It had some cool stuff going on. Like I, I really it liked it when they did the close look. Close too, but like, dude, I didn't read Angel or Demon from any of it. From which one? From theirs with the with the rust, Tyler and Emily. Like, yeah, no, I I had put them in 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 my judgment of it. I had put them in the middle of the pack. Like, it wasn't terrible or whatever. I I did like it though. After they showed it up close, I liked it a lot more. Um, who else made the middle of the pack? What Gage and Rachel? They yeah, did fine, but it wasn't really special. It was you know. Team Team Merwolf, our winners last week. They were in the middle of the pack. Yeah, because they had some problems with the headpiece. And so I guess this this uh, this ending wasn't really a surprise, right? It wasn't no, a surprise to you, was it? Because the girls who went home, they just the whole episode was showing them fuck up. Like they didn't have a, a concept in that early phase, which that completely fucks you over. You know what? But I kind of it's one of the things that I watch a lot of reality shows. I really liked about this show was the fact that there wasn't some red herring. No. They showed you that they were having a tough time the whole time they were a little later getting their concept. Like they didn't walk out of the church with something solid. Um, they had some issues with a mold at one point. They, they were just having issues the whole time. And then at the end, it wasn't that surprising that it didn't come together for them. It, they were, it was their second week in the bottom. And it also wasn't like the show was trying to humiliate them either. They weren't trying to say that they did bad work. Um, and that's, that for me is one of the tough things about this as a reality show. It's like on face off, you're dealing it's not like hell's kitchen where you've got like two real chefs and a bunch of freaking idiots so you can send them home whenever you want and not feel bad every single person on this show is a highly qualified skilled individual that, More so this season because it's all stars. You get you get a couple of jobbers in the other season. Well, yeah, but I mean not I'm just saying this is tough because yeah. it's like these are real people who can work in this industry every day. Every single one of them, they are skilled professionals. And it's not like what you get on most shows where there's just some freaking hack in there that you, for your own entertainment, you want to see them get chewed up. Like, no, what I want to see is I want to see these people do great work and do awesome stuff. And then I feel genuinely bad when someone's getting sent home, even these two. Like, I didn't feel too bad in this situation because they really just couldn't quite pull it together and they just didn't have the the, the right Their look. Their paint looked good, though. Like, they did a really cool paint job on it. It's just the sculpting looked like shit. But Yeah, I thought so. But, I mean, I think it was just rushed. They just didn't have it together. And look, three days 
for some people, I mean, they might be the best uh, makeup artists in the world, but uh, on three days, sometimes even the best might fall short. And when you burn one of the days still trying to come up with a concept and then you change it two more times during the two days that you're working, you're extra fucked. Yeah. Yeah. So I like this episode overall. Um, I, I'm very much looking forward to it. I, I yeah. did. And I didn't know how the elimination was going to play. It was like, so basically now we know that basically the first week, even if you end up in the bottom, you're kind of safe. Yeah, it's the but- second week that's going to matter more because Ben and Evan, you know, they're not going to say, okay, you guys were in the bottom on the second week. You guys were in the bottom on the first week. So we're going to take the two worst of those and eliminate them. Right, right. No, it's whoever gets called out that second week is the one that's going to go home. So first week, yeah. you know, you want to do good work, but that second week, you really want to avoid the bottom. The dynamic really changes once they get down to just a few teams and they're getting closer to the semifinals to where it's all good work and then everyone's equally fucked, like even if it's just slightly off, which is cool because it heats up near the end of the season. Right now, it's just kind of the feeling out phase, and I would say that the first week, the immunity is the big deal, big time, Um, because you can fuck up all you want that second week if you really needed to. Well, I agree. I'm I'm looking forward to next week. Anything else you got on Face Off before we talk a little UFC and then get the hell out of here? No. Um, I heard that next week's is going to be really cool from some of the ads and stuff, but I don't know what to expect because they they're they're good about like not spoiling stuff until it's the fucking finale on Twitter, and I get that spoiled for me. So I don't follow the Face Off account anymore because of that shit. I'll follow all the artists because they won't do it, but fucking Face Off does it. Uh, see, I I I I know that now, and now I don't yeah, know if I careful. should. Uh, <laughs> I'm still following, but I'm pretty good about not looking at stuff that I don't want to see. Um, UFC, what I did, the fights for the first half of this year might not end up being all that great, but at the the amount of news and things that are happening in the UFC world is tremendous. Um, Ronda Rousey very quickly, you know, Dana White said some things on the unfiltered podcast. I'm not going to get into the whole thing. Just go listen to to their show if you want. Um, you know, but Ronda might be at the end of it. That might be it. That might be all we see. I don't know. It's, it's a strange way to go out. I just want to say this about Ronda. Um, her last two losses do not for me as an MMA fan, diminish anything that she did before. There's no, Ronda, that's, that's a good way to look at it. And you're there, seeing a lot of people talk shit like she didn't do anything before when she fucking did. And it was amazing. It was an amazing, amazing run. And I don't think this is the greatest way to go out. But at the same time, it doesn't, for me, diminish any one single minute of that run or how amazing it was to me as a fan watching it. I still appreciate every single moment. I even appreciate Holly taking her out. I don't appreciate this last fight very much, which is why it's sad that this is the way it's going. Um, And I do kind of put a little bit of that on Edmund, but whatever, Um, you know, and, and I'll be excited if she shows up in WWE or does some other stuff. Uh, I'll think it's unfortunate if she just takes time off and goes away and lives on a farm somewhere, because I, I think as a public persona, whether you like her or not, I think she's very interesting. I happen to like heel personas. I also, never looked at her as a face. I always looked at her as a heel, even in UFC. Um, you know, there was times when she was uh, coming up where she looked like she was going to 
kill announcers and other people. And she just always looked like that mean, evil person. And I thought they tried to give her a softer touch, but she didn't ever need to have. I, I thought she was a halfway miserable person and grumpy and mean. And and that's what was cool. That's why I hang out with Casey. Exactly. <laughs> like, I don't mind these things in an individual. I thought it was cool. I agree. So, um, I don't know. I just, you know, I think it's, I think it's unfortunate if she goes away from, from public life altogether. Um, cause I think that she is a fabulous athlete and a great entertainer. And I think that there's still things out there that she could do. And if she doesn't want to do those in a cage, putting people's lights out then I go to wrestling. She loves wrestling. Um, I'd love to see her and Shayna Baszler come into WWE together and bring a little bit of that angle with them. Uh, the, the other four horsewomen that were going around a few years ago. So that's all. That's my, that's my thoughts on Rhonda. Um, geez, those talking about the women's division. <laughs> Boy, I can't remember a time where I got more fights wrong in my picks uh, than this past weekend. Like I had Aljo, I had Cowboy, I had Pena. I had a bad night, according to my picks. I think, I think a lot of people fucking had Pena and were very surprised. And Honestly, that entire, that entire show was a vehicle for her to become a star, and it didn't work. But you know what? It worked in reverse because of one dance that became a meme. <laughs> you like the Shevchenko? Yes. Dude, that was, that was fucking amazing. After, well, so then, then it comes out afterwards that she's been on like a European version of Dancing with the Stars or whatever, and she like she's like got as many qualifications as Paige Van Zandt to be cutting a rug. Ah, well, shit. And I've listened That's to like amazing. 15 interviews with this woman before, and I've never knew this stuff. It just came out. She was like on an actual reality dancing show in Europe somewhere. Dude, it, it just goes to show you how many shows there are in other markets that we never see or hear of until the last moment, and they're versions of our shows well it, uh, it also goes to show you that ufc was not planning on pushing her i mean most of what i know from her is from non-ufc you know i heard the whole story about her and her sisters and her her coach and then you know being at the shootout in the restaurant and all this other stuff and all her crazy cool story from you know ariel and third-party media not from ufc i don't think they ever planned on pushing her and this is part of the problem is like that situation was designed for Pena. Yeah. She is a beast and it would have been great business for them. And they would have had another superstar in their hands. And now it's Shevchenko. So we'll be lucky in this fight with Nunez and Shevchenko. If combined, the two of them can put together a complete sentence in English. See this fucking shithead leave the show just now. That's fine. Whatever. <laughs> It's whatever. We see where his loyalty is. Like, he can't even hang out for our 50th birthday party, man. Yeah, exactly. When he's the one that's actually 50 years old. Yeah. And uh, Cowboy Masvidal did not disappoint. It's amazing fight. Loved every you know minute what? of it. You did say someone Very disappointed was going to get knocked out. You did say yeah. someone was going to get fucked up. You just had the wrong guy. It, but no, you were and, and I, said, I said it could go either way, but at the same time, of course, I'm going to put it on Cowboy. Cowboy's yeah. had an amazing run at welterweight. He's my boy. I want to see him win, you know, um, and it didn't happen. I don't think it diminishes his career. I think it makes a star out of, out of Masvidal, and uh, we'll take it from here. <laughs> like, I do got to say that at the end of the fight, they kind of made him look like Jason from Friday the 13th Part 3. 
Nice. Not part quite part four, because that's when you get a real beating. Now, part three was in 3D, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's got, like, the pitchfork sticking out. Now, which was the Nightmare on Elm Street that had, three, like, 3D just at the end? That was <laughs> Freddy's Dead, and I, I don't like to talk about that one. That's six. That, that fucking terrible movie. I tell people, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, stop at part four. I just remember going and seeing that movie in the theater and, you know, I had a good time or whatever, but I was just like, what is this? And I don't even know, like, I was too young to see Friday the 13th part three in 3D in the theater. Like, mm -hmm. my, my folks just wouldn't let me go. I was like preteenish or whatever. But so then when Nightmare on Elm Street came around and they doing this 3D gimmick and I was old enough to go, I was like stoked. Like, this is the moment that I missed out when I was little. And then I get there and it's like, Oh man, what is this shit? <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, we it get still see, fun, but we get to see Alice Cooper talking to a dude in 3D though. Yeah, well, hitting, which was cool. with the belt, but yeah, and everyone's like, Casey, my parents don't let me go to R-rated movies. How does Freddy die? And I'm like, they blow him up, and I go, that's fucking bullshit. <laughs> Lame. Um. Uh, did you see any of this Connor Presser thing that him and Ariel did at the same time that the UFC on Fox was on? I heard about it. I didn't see it. And I think that's hilarious that they did that. Yeah. But, I'm, I mean, there's some interesting stuff that came out of, but dude, how much of a baller do you have to be where it's just like, okay, first of all, I'm not showing up to UFC press conferences, which is why the whole UFC 200 thing happened. And now I'm throwing my own press conference and you're going to pay me four quid for it. Yeah. And let's just have Ariel there too, because you know this guy's in hot water all the fucking time anyway. Yeah. yeah what? Uh, how much of more of an f you to UFC can you do than to have Ariel do it? But I don't even think Connor picked him. I think this other outside company picked him because they didn't want to hire any Fox or UFC guys. Do we know um, how much he made but, off of that? Like, not yet, but like, dude, to sit around and have cocktails and talk talk with Ariel Hawani, the same thing that you do for free when it's on MMA Hour to promote your fights. And to get paid for it, any amount of money mm -hmm. is pretty awesome. Yeah, that's smart business. Um, so, you know, there was some of the regular stuff of him calling Nate a bitch, which was very interesting. And he said that that Nate was Floyd's bitch. Um, you know, and clearly Connor is Floyd is the ticket right now. Floyd is the biggest price tag dollar sign he can get. So that's what he's touting more than anything else. Yeah, sounds um, like he's scared. I was a bit surprised at how dismissive he was about Khabib and Tony, even when people in the crowd started chanting Khabib. Um, but that just goes to show you that in Connor's world, these guys just aren't over enough. I think, however, um, and Tony's, Tony's a homie. Like, I want Tony to win. I want Tony to be the guy. But if you're talking about international markets and paydays, if Khabib gets the win over Tony that dude is huge. Yeah. That dude becomes a real player. If he gets the win over Tony, um, more than it's Tony would, up. if he gets the win over Khabib. Dude, but who are you going to, who are you going to like shit on? If you're Connor, the fight that's going to give you millions and millions of dollars with Mayweather that you want to have happen. Or yeah, you're going to, you're going to treat these other guys like a, a fight that you, that's less worth seeing because you're not going to get Mayweather money. You're going to get a shitload of money. Yeah, 25 mil or 20 mil or something like that, but it ain't going to be no 80 mil or 100 mil. You're not going to do, you know, fours on pay-per-view with Khabib, but you're going to get a big pay-per-view number. You got all of Russia behind Khabib, all of Ireland behind Connor and Boston. Um, 
you know, you get you'll get a big number from Khabib Connor. The bigger the that's probably the biggest number you get in the UFC right now, in my opinion. I think that's bigger than Nate Connor uh, three. I think he Khabib the challengers though. He's he's looking at a fight where he can he could get pretty fucked up. Oh yeah, it's not a it's not a fun way to earn twenty million dollars, but it's twenty million dollars. Right. Yeah. <laughs> True. And who cares if he wins or loses? And honestly. I hope that UFC gets this and I hope Connor gets this too. I think Connor is now officially to the point where he wins. It's fine if he loses. If he loses, there's still five or six more fights. I think there's still more big fights left for him, even if he loses all of them, than would outlast the rest of his career anyway. This isn't a guy I imagine is going to fight 20 more times anyway. No. He's going to fight five or six more times. They're going to be mega event, huge, super big moments. Um, and here I think is really cool about Connor. I think he knows that. And I think that even though he's got these other opportunities to do other things, he turned down the predator movie. He said in this thing, mm-hmm. like he thought about it for a while, but it was coming around the time his babies do. And he's got this other stuff going on. He was going to start the McGregor promotions and this, that, and the other thing, but he was really just like, yeah, but I'm making the cheddar fighting's what I love. So why not focus on that? Why not have that be the thing? It is. Mm-hmm. Go for the Floyd fight. That's bigger than Predator. You make $100 million doing the, the Floyd fight. You make, what, $10 million doing Predator? Probably not even that. It's, it's, it won't do. Predators didn't do very well the last well, one. Yeah, and with Conor McGregor in it, like it's not going to be super huge. It'll be a decent action movie. It'll make $40 million or whatever, $50 million, but it's not going to be a $200 million movie. It's not going to be the next Lord of the Rings or something. The fact um, that they asked him makes me think it's like straight to DVD anyway. Jesus. Right. Which is where a lot of these guys end up. It's like as big as GSP might've been in MMA. He's not making blockbuster movies. Oh, yes. dude, he's in so Captain boring. America. Yeah, yeah. He's in it. Yeah. For a fight scene. And it's awesome. And he, but he is he not the star of the character. Movie. Awesome. Because backtrack the leaper. Come on, shittiest character. Yeah, he made was, he made the character better. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, I think Connor's making the right decision there in general. So um, he also said that he's having a baby boy and he's going to put him in the cage almost immediately, which is kind of stupid stuff that every guy who's about to have a kid says until he actually has a kid. <laughs> um, bad idea. And he also said very was offered WrestleMania. And at first he was kind of talking like he might have turned it down, but then when Ariel directly asked him if he turned it down, he said, no, there's still a thing on the table. It's still being talked about. Um, I would put it at maybe a 10% chance. It does. It just sounds like he wants to focus more on getting the Floyd fight and whatnot. But if it's something that... The way that it felt to me was like, if he's going to do it, he wants to do it right. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't want to just show up and do an appearance like Ronda did. Like he wants to do an angle. He wants to go in there and look like a badass. He wants to beat somebody up. And if they do that and come with some money and it doesn't hurt his schedule too much and he doesn't have a fight coming up that he'll do it. That's what it sounded like. Now he didn't directly say any of that stuff, but that's kind of the way I was reading it of like, yeah, there's some things on the table and he's talking about, you know, he wants to go in and basically do a shoot and really give, give somebody a knock or something is what he said. Um, so basically it sounds like he wants to go over. He wants to look like a badass. Vince has done this stuff for people before. Yeah. 
So I could see an angle with Connor where he comes in and he looks super tough and does something. So, you know, I, I would say that there is still some modicum of a possibility that Connor McGregor shows up at WrestleMania. I would like to hope that it's more likely that Ronda Rousey shows up there because she needs it and he doesn't need it at all. Right. Uh, it sucks that there's no um, brawl for all the, the wrong guy one that they can punish by putting him against Connor, like Butterbean, Bart Gunn. But that was amazing. Oh my God. That was the biggest pop in the living room with me and my friends watching that fucking <laughs> WrestleMania. Was hey, dude, they could bring back ADR because I heard he he's some MMA fights and then Connor could fight ADR for real in WWE. I, that would be amazing. I would, I would resubscribe to the network. <laughs> I know. I actually did. I got, I got my network subscription going on and I'm going to talk about that next week because uh, there was actually an ECW uh, event that was pretty big that I was at that I never saw mm-hmm. the aired version of it. I never saw the pay-per-view because I was at the event that night. Um, and I don't know if ECW pay-per-views really had good replays back then. Plus, I spent a bunch of money going to it, so why am I going to spend 50, 60 right. bucks to watch it again at home when I just was there? So I had completely forgotten about it, and uh, I'll talk about it next week, though, because there was some cool stuff that happened at that event, and uh, I've been kind of going back and watching some old ECW, so I might do a a trip down ECW lane coming up, uh, especially while Lucha Underground's on hiatus. Yeah. Anyway, I'd like to talk about some DDT next week. Um, hey, let's try to get to it, man. DDT Universe free throughout February. And everybody, tune in. We're trying to line up a couple of guests. Uh, I told you earlier. I think uh, Thunder Rose is going to come on. We might try to get Ricky Reyes and a couple other people in here as well. Um, I'd love to get yes. Cross back and Vinny Massaro back soon. So. Keep watching, guys, especially in the hiatus since we, we don't have new episodes of Lucha to talk about. We're going to try to keep bringing in some some cool, awesome performers from the show. Uh, and our schedules are a little more set now, so we can actually do that. It was awesome having Marty in today. Um, you know, And maybe we'll try to, to twist the arm of some of the bosses when they can actually talk about some stuff um, to come on the show. But as you've probably noticed, they're not doing a whole lot of shows right now because... They want to have some set stuff to talk about, man. They don't want to just spit out maybes and we're working on. They want to give the goods, I think. So, you know, and I know DJ's been working and didn't even get his Luchifax out last night. So, um, you know, they, these guys are busy, man. They're they're working. They're working hard to, to entertain us. So hopefully, you know, we can get those guys back on too when there's something to say. Mm-hmm. So unless you got anything else, you got anything else, Case? Byron sucks. <laughs> besides Byron sucking um, and uh, I'm going to go listen to the last real heels right now. So if you listen to all of this, you should go listen to that now because uh, keep the party rolling, right? Yeah. I'm going to sleep. I got to yeah. teach the kids. Well, I'm definitely going to go and listen to the last real heels. So until next time, stay calm and stay in the mix. Oh.